Bo Bishop. He's a man of many talents. Former Montana rodeo champion. Maybe. Successful talking head on television. Drinker of fine spirits. And as you're about to hear, friend to dummies. This guy's running around in their like spandex underwear. This is Bishop and Friends. You see, the bells almost fool you. <laughs> they can almost trick you into getting fired up. I will be by the time it gets to tomorrow, but 38-point favorites in Evanston as we do it live on a football Friday. I got an email, fellas, from Rod yesterday that I wanted to share with you guys because I think it it probably best articulates the mindset of a Buckeye fan as we embark on the November slate with a trip to Northwestern. Um, and we'll see if you guys who are both highly educated can pick out the one phrase that isn't mentioned anywhere here. Uh, So this is an email I got from Rod. Good email. He said, I was pondering today about who I would want Ohio State to play in the college football playoff. Right now, Tennessee scares me the most due to our weak secondary. However, I don't think Georgia is a slouch either. As of now, I'm thinking I would rather have Georgia, Clemson, and the weakest Alabama I've seen in years. Michigan is making me worried that their matchup with with each passing week. I think if Ohio State plays its game in clean football, they should be positioned for a win. Also, I'm getting fatigued with the annual positioning of two SEC teams as they always have a rep in the final or a two-SEC final. What word was mentioned once in there? What team was not mentioned once? What team was... He left out Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The entire state. But also Northwestern. Right. This is where we are. This is what this is going to be like. We talked about this last week with Penn State. To drink it in, bathe in the glory of a great game against a worthy opponent because you're not going to have one for the next three weeks. It starts tomorrow in Evanston. It will continue against Indiana here, and then it will continue to a little bit of a lesser extent, potentially just because there's some danger on the outside at Maryland. But you are going to be at least a four-touchdown favorite in all three of these games. And so, a collective Buckeye Nation, your mind wanders. And I don't blame you, mind wanders. I I am far more concerned, interested, in what I see from Tennessee and Georgia in the afternoon or Alabama and LSU in the evening. Hell, I'm interested to see how convincing Michigan is against Rutgers at night. All of those things are intriguing to me. Us against Northwestern? Get out of it alive. Don't get anybody hurt, and on to the next week. There's nothing that Ohio State can do tomorrow in this game that will leave me impressed. My expectation is they're up 40-something to nothing at half. So the only thing that can come of it, and this speaks to something we've talked about a lot this season, the only feeling that you can have is one of negativity. Mm -hmm. If they don't do that, if they're not up 35-nothing at half, you go, what is going on? Why These guys suck. Why can't we move the ball on them? That's the only emotion that you can have. You cannot watch this game. I'm as guilty as all of you out there listening, probably as guilty as the two of you. There's no positive emotion that can come from this. Yeah, it's like down to the point where I remember like the Arkansas State game when they picked up a few third downs and you're just like, you're sitting there like, what is wrong with the defense? I thought we had it all figured out. Jim Knowles had, had a great plan against Notre Dame, all this stuff. And it's like, well, settle down. You're up by three touchdowns. It's going to be okay. Like uh, that kind of stuff. It happens because, you know, you got to remember the other team is trying and it's interesting. One of the, 
you're talking about that email and looking at all the other teams that Ohio State either has on their schedule or could play down the road. And one of the most annoying things that we get, and I haven't noticed it as much lately. Maybe people are finally getting past it, but you ever get the tweets that are like, hey, just focus on the opponent in front of you. Don't think ahead. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not on the team. I can think about whatever I want. I'm not going to get distracted about Northwestern because no. it doesn't matter what I'm distracted about. No, it's is proven every day. <laughs> this is something that I'll reiterate later on in the show, but I feel like the Bernie Sanders meme where I am once again asking Ryan Day to allow Kyle McCord to run the full complement of Ohio State's yeah, offense. this is what we do. That's not what I, that's what I'm looking for tomorrow. If it's going to be windy and crappy and they're not going to cut the grass, then you're looking for a heavy dose of, of Travion, some Mayon. Hey, TC Caffey, if you want to get a couple carries, that'd be wonderful. But if Kyle McCord's able to go in third quarter, fourth quarter, Allow him to try to throw in the elements. Like, this is a great game. Not only to get reps against a team that's not you, but it's also a great time to try and play in the elements because how often do we get that, really? Well, also, the the other part of it is, um, you know, we've seen this a couple of times this year, guys, where Ryan Day will manufacture situations. Good. You know, do plenty of that. <laughs> manufacture. Okay, we've, it's almost like practice. Okay, we've got the ball on our own 35 with no timeouts and 45 seconds. Can we score? Like, I, I think that those type of things are in play. And Unfortunately, I say this research, a, sorry, I just want to TC yep. Caffey's out for oh, the that's year. That's right, out for the season. Sad. Could see um, Chip train him. He's the, moving back Because um, he is practicing full-time with the running backs now, yeah. right? Yeah. Here's the, here's the deal, is the, 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 this situation with the manufacturing and, and all of this, this is, this is not in any way disrespect to Northwestern. Um, I, you have – any, I think anybody out there listening, anybody on that staff, you want to talk about programs that you respect as much as any in our league, it's probably this one. Not because they're a threat, but because despite all of their things that they have, uh, that they have going against them, just getting a text from Threes, <laughs> scouting report <laughs> as we're going through this. Um, just going through all of, the, uh, going through all of the, the things that are against Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald consistently hits his head on the ceiling of what that program can be. Now, he's also changed that ceiling, right? They're playing for Big Ten championships. They've done it a couple of times. He's Their facilities now are as good as any in the Big Ten. It's a stunning accomplishment. And they're building a new football stadium. So they're all in with what their ceiling is. And I do think that in an odd way, it's almost like Northwestern has become what Stanford used to be under Harbaugh the first time in the early Shaw years where they've got dudes and they win a lot of games and they can win their side of the conference. There's a ceiling on it, but that's what they've been. This just is not that year. This is a really bad Northwestern team. Although I'm, I am a little worried that they might be like Stanford falling out of that. There could be a chance that this is happening because this is two years in a row that they've been really bad. Yeah. Well, he missed. It's hard. He's trying to. He's they keep trying up. to bring in transfer quarterbacks, and none transfer of them are hitting, and it's and it's not working. And because it felt like for a decade plus, they had like the same guy. The Trevor Simeon was back there. I, I can't even remember all their names, but it was the it was the same guy. He was like six foot two, could run a little bit, and they would dink and dunk down the field. And now they have not quite been able to regenerate that. And so they've basically turned into a one-dimensional offense that tries to run the ball, but they just don't have the dudes to run the ball consistently in the Big Ten. And I also yeah. think it's run the ball and play exceptional defense. And that has been very lacking for Northwestern the past two seasons. Now they had like... Unless they're in Dublin. Well, yeah, so they're winners in Ireland, which is, you know, good for them. But it felt like for a decade there, they at least had one or two guys at linebacker for four years. 
and they kind of just rotated in and out of a dude at linebacker that could really command a defense that would frustrate and cause a lot of chaos and takeaways. Yeah, where's their Patty Fisher nowadays? It's been a minute <laughs> since they've had that. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You look at uh, Fitzgerald's run, and Randy Walker you know, and Gary Barnett, you know, they both kind of got it going. Barnett did it first in the mid-'90s. Um, it's remarkable since Pat's been there. He's got a nine. Let's look. He's got a nine-win season. He's got three ten-win seasons. Three years removed um, from a Big Ten title appearance. Yeah, it's, it's and he's a done that twice. Thing. He's yeah, he has done that twice. So um, it's a remarkable thing that he's that he's played for two Big Ten championships while playing at Northwestern once in the COVID year and once in 2018, uh, where they were eight and one in the league. It's crazy. But they were zero and four, and they're out of conference. It's schedule. Why? But that's them, right? <laughs> right. And so. Probably the peak of them was in 17 and 18 when he went 10 and 3, 9 and 5. We've spent too much time on Northwestern as it is. Let's go back to the email that we started the show with. What was the other line in there? And this is, we talked about this. Now two instances where I've had where it crosses across in front of my plane that Michigan is back, that the rivalry is back. So we had it at Trick or Treat on Monday, and now we have it here in an email with uh, Rod, I believe his name is Rod, is getting worried. As Rod is worried, Michigan is making me worried about that matchup with each passing week. So we're back, baby. That's healthy, right? That is very healthy. There was a long time where anytime people would come up to me and say, oh, don't sleep on the rivalry, and I would say, no, you can. They suck. They sucked for a while. They don't anymore. They got us last year. They are due their respect. They have – it's interesting. It took Harbaugh this long, and it's almost like he stumbled into it to understand to not try and out-finesse Ohio State and then to just get back to what he was doing – at Stanford, and that was to just be physical and run the ball and be simple and stick with it. They did it last year against us. We hired Jim Knowles to fix it. We've got between now and four Fridays from now to make sure that we pass that test. And so everything you do between now and then is just building towards that game and making sure that you're prepared for it. This game Saturday at Northwestern is not going to prepare you for it. Get out of it healthy. Hope for the best. Indiana is not going to prepare it for it. Maryland's not going to prepare you for it in terms of their style of play. So the preparation for Michigan, my guess is they're already doing it. I mean, I'm sure they still have the Michigan period every practice. Those will amp up here over the next three weeks leading into that game. They are the biggest threat on the schedule. They're a real threat. They're here. There's certainly a lot of revenge factor. There's a bad taste in your mouth. All the comments from Harbaugh. That's what's in the back of everybody's mind. It does. So get from here to there without injury. And continue to be better as a football team. That's the challenge of it. Like this week against Northwestern, maybe the way they've been running the ball, some of the concepts might be able to hold over for your Michigan prep. But then the following two weeks, you're right about the way that Indiana and Maryland run offense. That's not the like way to prepare. So when they're preparing for those teams specifically, that's not really going to help you in the Michigan one. So I think, yeah, they are going to have to focus on some of those those other attributes to their defensive game that are going to be effective against Michigan. I don't think it's crazy to look at the way Michigan's playing this year. And while they may have fallen off just slightly on the defense, you know, losing an Aiden Hutchinson isn't something that you just replace a job right away. Chops, remember? Yes. Both of them. And, yep. um, but even with that, I think overall as a team, I think they're better this year. They're better offensively. I think we can certainly say that, um, those two defensive ends are pros, so that's they don't have that type of, of, of weaponry in terms of an ability to – I mean, Aiden Hutchinson wrecked the game yeah. for us. They don't have that, but they are really deep. They're well coached, and here we are November 4th thinking about them again, and it's the first time in a long time that you could say that was the case. In fact, I don't know since I've been here, so that's 07, 
year after game of the century when Rich Rod came in here with that or no no that was up there first Rich Rod was 08 when was when that happened um there was there was no fear there's been no fear that you would lose this game it really hasn't been even when they've been close um whether it was Tyvis's interception in the game in 2013 or um honestly yeah even the loss um that Luke had that year you know you're playing without so many guys and you still felt like you know let Posey get loose you know like that those type of things so it's back, though, in that sense. So that's the task for Ryan Day is get through the next three weeks without injury while staying sharp because you were pretty sharp in the fourth quarter against Penn State, continuing to have physical football, and be ready for that game at the end of the month. That's one, the task. One more thing that adds to the rivalry this year is you look at players who are in their third season. Yep. They have not beat Michigan because we didn't play them in the pandemic year because it got canceled, and then you lost last year. So that's, that's an point. interesting fold for Ohio State players. When we've had a lot of classes who've won all four of yes. the years they've been here, and now we've got guys in their third year and have not tasted beating Michigan yet. Yeah, yeah there are some of like the seniors that have gold pants, and then there's C.J. Stroud, yeah. who's pantsless. Yeah, no, it's time, and it's so that that one will have a certain uptick to it, even from what we're used to, and that one's always got plenty of it. The, the task is getting from here to there without injury while maintaining your sharpness and continue to be one of the best teams in the country. Um, if you go back to Rod's email, all of his things are well thought out, and they're, it's kind of a window into the eye of probably how all of us are thinking, quite frankly. Um, lots to get to. You get you set for this one. Uh, you'll hear from the participants. Um, we'll get you an update on the weather and what it could be at Northwestern. Threes with the weather report from South Bend's not looking too great. We'll get to that as well. Um, sports last night, you've got a World Series that has the Astros now a game away and a game a Thursday night football game uh in which the Eagles did not cover boo bad job out of them uh Tim will join us Doug will join us Jody will join us our first ever Finland guest that's happening is he our Finnish correspondent now he's gonna be that's how I'm gonna introduce him he's gonna help us finish the show Helsinki bureau chief I think that's how we'll introduce him uh so we're lock and loaded here on a football Friday edition Bishop and Friends right here on the fan Pull up a stool and ask the bartender for something neat because Uncle Bo is on the radio. This is Bishop and Friends. And getting cash out of your home doesn't mean you have to do a full-blown refinance. No, 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 my friends. Neighborhood Lender now offering fast, easy home equity loans. Neighborhood Lender can let you get cash out of your home and they can do it for you right now. Cash for the holidays, cash to pay off credit cards, cash to pay off other high-interest debt, and it's a great time to do it. Borrowing from your home is a lot smarter than borrowing from the bank. Neighborhood Lenders Home Equity Line can let you tap a specific amount of your home's equity without touching your low primary mortgage rate. You can access up to 95% of your home's value if you want to, and you probably won't even need an appraisal. Call Neighborhood Lender today. Use your home to get the cash you need to get yourself in a better financial position for the new year. That number is 614-882-LOAN. That's 614-882-LOAN, NeighborhoodLender.com, 614-882-LOAN. Neighborhood Lender is an equal housing lender, NMLS 69349, and subject to lender approval. Is this a real day on November 4th, like this type of warmth? 70s this is where we are i'm outside getting shots up yesterday with the fellas with the boys shorts and t-shirts putting bootsy bootsy's got his first game tomorrow 10 a.m uh nbc and beamsy both go double headers on sunday so we're loaded up hoops is here but we were able to go outside get some shots up on the court beautiful I, Gorgeous. I, said, I said to Jayla yesterday, it's like weather roulette. Every time I step out of the door, I have no idea what to expect in the morning. Yesterday, it's in the low 40s, and it's pretty cold out. This morning, it's 54, but I took the dog for a walk yesterday afternoon, and I regretted wearing a hoodie. It's like I have no idea what to expect anytime I walk out of the door. 
I'm for all of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm for this. This is bonus it. babies. These are bonus babies. Do we, we like not four... feel like we're going to pay for it though in yes. February? Okay. Here's well, this is how I this is Sorry how to crap I rational. <laughs> Thanks, Reese. Bum 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 bum. <laughs> here's uh here's the here's what I would say. My theor- my hope is this is what I, my working my working title, if you will, in my brain. Remember September kind of sucked. We didn't get glorious September. There were several weekends with a lot of rain. We didn't have like the pristine September that we're that we're accustomed to. What I'm telling myself that as opposed to being punished in February for this, this is the reward. The because we've had a great October. October's been solid. Yeah, October was great. It's been awesome. And now we're into we're first week of November and we've got seventy. Tomorrow's gonna be spectacular. Um and so that that's what I I don't wanna I'm trying to be glasses half full because I can get in the dumps about this by the time we get to February and March. By the time it's Buckeye Cruise time, let's go. Get me the sun. March. End of February, let's go. March is where it really gets me. I can still deal with the snow and the cold in January and February. It's supposed to be cold. Then it's March when it's like you're getting sleet and all the snow is gray and you're scraping your windshield every morning. And But then it's like kind of sunny sometimes. March, I think, is the worst weather month. I think that's because you don't have kids. So March, we get spring break. Mm. So at least I have that. I've got a week of sun somewhere. You know where I used to go for spring break? Guttenberg, Iowa. It was not. Fantastic. Good beaches? (laughs) It's right on on the Mississippi, yeah. Dive right in. That's all you need. A little bit of beach time. Um, (laughs) Got an email from... um, Michael about the Amazon broadcast last night. Well, what, what were you guys World Series or did because you can't flip with the Amazon? You got to either do two screens or it's one screen only. You can do two screens. That's what you I got to go two screens. It's yep. the only way. Yeah, I was. Which Amazon. was your primary interest? You were Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And Reese, you were World Series. I had World Series on the big screen, and then I had my computer up with Amazon. Yeah. Um. I I was I I watched a little of the football and a little of the baseball. Neither one was uh something that I was on for an hour even. It was popping in and out uh seeing what else was out there. Um I did get this from Michael and he he was questioning about it was a question he had about the Amazon broadcast. Um said that on his it looked a little strange. It was almost like the that uh Michael's and Herbie were broadcasting like replay that like the video quality the one thing that I have heard, I haven't had this yet, but I did notice it a couple of weeks ago um, when I've noticed that if I'm watching the game, I have no idea if scientifically this is backed up, but I've, I've noticed that if I'm streaming the game in like my office and the boys are doing like Xbox, that the quality comes down. Only so much bandwidth. That's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering if that's what happened to Michael last night because I'm like last night it was pristine here. I don't. Was, did you guys notice anything with yours? Yeah, I thought I thought it was fine last night. I had the first week the like audio and the oh, video right. weren't quite synced up, but I haven't had that issue since. So I, I've been pretty good with it. Last night I was actually two screening it. Sopranos on one TV, that's... football game on the other. <laughs> that so the, the, the HBO's been getting me this week because they have. Done like this week, they've done blocks on one of the HBO channels where they've done like Sopranos or The Wire okay. episodes, like a full night of them. So, like, of course, <laughs> like perfect for was, flipping. Oh, I'm hopping and in on ne- that. And they're never on commercials, so never. you're really good. No, so anytime I see that, I'm going into that. So last night I was World Series into that, and then I checked out White Lotus a little bit last night as well. What'd you um, think? I'll just ask this: Is it enough for you to be interested in a second season that's coming out? 
they're doing another one. Yes. The second season so just this, started. Episode one was Sunday. Yeah, have you seen that? So, are you talking about last year's when they were talking Hawaii? about the one in Hawaii? This okay, year, so it's that in one, I, Sicily. Okay, I've already, I, so this was episode one of the second season debuted Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I checked it out. I watched some of it last night. Um, I don't think the magic from the first season is repeated. I was not interested in the second. Yeah, season. I think off the yeah. top, I was much more interested in like what's going on, and they they tried to set it up the same where it's like here's something yeah. that happens after the week. And what? It, how does it get to here? And it's more like, murder. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, huh. I don't know if I'm as interested this time. I think the the key to the whole first season though was the guy who ran the resort, right? Right. He was unbelievable. <laughs> like, I think you have to make sure that guy stays alive. And- Spoiler alert for those of you who didn't see the first season. <laughs> uh, and then send him to another resort. Yeah, and like just make him because he, he was the whole operation. Yes, one line. To Sicily. What are you doing here? Uh, Got to transfer. Why are you here? Like. He was who I would like to see more of. And like I, I get it, they're in, they're in Sicily, but that character this year is speaking Italian. And so jokes don't always land as well Correct. when you're reading subtitles. Yeah, yeah. I thought it's – I don't know if I'll watch it. It'll probably be something like last night where I'm watching the World Series. It goes to commercial. I'll watch for five minutes, then I'll come back to the – that's what I did last night. <laughs> That'll be a really like that's Swiss how cheese version of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to watch it intently. Uh, the way that I did. Uh, the Astros are a win away from the World Series. They beat the Phillies 3-2. to two. The next two games are both at their place. Uh, Justin Verlander gets his first World Series win. He was previously 0-6 uh, in the World Series. He's, he's, on, he's going to get – he'll get his second – I mean, this is a guy who played all those years in Detroit with when they had all that talent and Mike Illich was alive and they were spending all that money on the Tigers and they were knocking on the door a lot uh, with Cabrera and Verlander and that incredible core. Um, and then he goes to Houston, wins one, and now looks like he's going to win another. I will say this, while I do not like – I think everybody roots against the Astros unless you're like from Houston or you have something against the Phillies for some reason. I will say this about the Astros. Dusty Baker is about as good a dude as you're going to find. And there were some shows that I did probably eight years ago with uh, Kent Merker, a great Dublin dude, good human. Um, he and I did some shows, and he had uh, he had Dusty call in, Walt Jockety call in, and we did like interviews with – they were the nicest guys ever. Now, probably a lot of it had to do with because Merck's a good dude, uh, and they liked him. But I've always rooted for Dusty since then, so – I would. I think that part of it is pretty cool. A lifer who's paid his dues and and now getting uh, a game away. But I wish uh, Dusty was still the manager for the Reds. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, right. He's a players manager guy. Has a good feel for people. Seems like he gets the best and most out of people. So, and by the way, they also went from like they still have Bregman and Altuve and those guys who are so unlikable. But Dusty takes a little bit of it off. And I don't have anything against Verlander. He seems like a fine dude. Also, Kyle Schwarber is if Jose Altuve took the one-up mushroom from Mario. <laughs> I was noticing that last night watching because Schwarber was the first run of the game where you thought like, oh, Verlander's not getting it tonight. And I'm like, he looks just like Jose Altuve, but That's just pretty good. more massive. The one-up. Like when uh, Prince Fielder and CeCe Sabathia were on the same team for a while. Yep. Same dude. Although they they showed a uh, CeCe Sabathia, I think, was – like a mentor to Tristan McKenzie, and they showed him uh, in Cleveland. He looks incredible. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he. Ha- that happens a lot with the, the athletes. Like they continue to work out, and then they just eat better. Oh, you're all- talking about CC Sabathia. CeCe. Sorry, he CeCe, also yeah. um, he struggled. I read an article about this in the summer. He struggled with alcoholism while he was playing, and he's yeah. like clean now. So that I probably helps. You're going to say McKenzie? I think could eat five thousand calories a day and not gain a pound. Not not a pound.
no such worries for the diet for the Buckeyes. This is uh, going to be Cupcake City on Saturday. Buckeyes at Northwestern, an overwhelming uh, advantage for Ohio State in this one. The one thing we're curious about is the weather. We'll get you an update on the dreaded weather in Evanston coming up next. Fisherman Friends right here on The Fan. What's up? What's up, man? Sponsored by Celebration Kia. All right, here's what's up on a Football Friday edition. Buckeyes at Northwestern, where the biggest opponent could be the dreaded weather. Here's Ryan Day from the Ryan Day Show on preparing for the potential weather at Northwestern. What we like to do is we try not to look at the weather too much too far in advance, and then as we okay. get to about uh, you know two or three days out, then we start to look at it because in the Midwest, for whatever reason, if it shows something on Saturday early in the week, it's usually not that by the time you get to Saturday. But this week, it looks like we are going to get some weather, so we, we practice in all the elements, and so you know we're we're ready for it. We've had some really windy days in practice, uh, practice in the rain, so. You know, we'll just, you know, do the best we can to understand what we're up against. And sometimes, you know, you don't really have to make many adjustments. You have to handle it better than your opponent. Other times, if it gets extreme, you have to make some adjustments. So uh, we'll talk about it as we get closer to the game. So how how do you define extreme? Because one thing that I I think we all thought, I think this is what you're going to get. Northwestern's going to have the grass really high. My guess is they uncover the field. If they, if they cover it at all, it's going to be uncovered. And it will be muddy and sloppy. They have rain in the forecast this evening and then through the early morning. By the time we play, it looks like there, there will be no rain or very little occasional, but not much. But what there will be is extreme wind. So you're talking about a, a steady wind of almost 30 miles an hour um, and wind gusts of 50 miles an hour. Now, I have no idea if that is something that will be felt because Ryan Field isn't right on the lake, so I don't know if they get the same like Soldier Field gets. And how much does Not it sure. funnel into the stadium? Depending no on direction, yeah, I, I don't no know. clue. Uh, the only time I was there, it wasn't it wasn't anything to be too concerned about. Um, I don't remember it being an issue at all, but it wasn't a day like this. Wind gusts of fifty is a real deal. That's <laughs> that'll take a ball. So. You know, that's something where you're going to have to drive the ball if you're going to try to throw it a lot. Uh, you'll have to be able to do that. Um, I think anything where the weather would be bad, which is what it looks like we're headed for with the steady wind, um, obviously it's going to help the lesser team, especially the team that doesn't throw it as much. So that that's part of something that I think you could see in this one a little bit. But I don't think it's anything to be that concerned about. Quite frankly, we're having a little fun with this to be honest, like the best team wins. Yeah. We're going over, to overwhelm them. There has to be the something deal. to focus on because the actual matchups player to player aren't exactly no up to the, you know, the, the quality that would challenge Ohio state consistently no. throughout a four quarter game. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be the, the necessarily the players that are wearing purple, but it'll be the players in scarlet and gray challenging themselves. It'll be the elements. It'll be the grass. It'll be frustration. It'll be lack of patience. Yes. It'll be the if the ground game's not going right away and if Ohio State can't air it out when it wants to, then where does that frustration turn? Is it turned to, ah, we got to get away from the run so we can throw and actually put some points up on these guys because we're getting a little restless? Or is it you just keep sli- you know, swinging the sledgehammer, which is something I'm also advocating for tomorrow? Yeah, you th- I think this is one of those ones where you ought to be able to bully them a little bit. Um, Ryan Day on his show yesterday talked a little bit about that Northwestern defense. Here's what he had to say. 
uh, so I work with Jim in, in nice. San Francisco okay. uh, for the 49ers. He was the defense coordinator there when, when we were there in, uh, in 16. Really good coach, really aggressive, really smart coach. And, you know, he and Fitz both, I'm sure, are both involved with, with the defense. But, but they do a very, very good job. And, and over the years, just Northwestern in general has done a really good job on defense, as you know. You know, they play that thing inside out. They're powerful, and they know how to stop the run on that side of the ball. Well, they gave up 33 to Iowa last week, so I think we can settle down on 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 what the defense. They is a do a really bit. good job. Yeah, I hope he brought Coach his gold sticker. Hey, they play defense, the man. I'll tell you what, they play defense look, at Northwestern. Look, it's a Big Ten team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Pat Fitzgerald, pretty candid. Uh, we played some of uh, some of this yesterday, but pretty candid on what the Buckeyes are. Here's Coach Fitz. They're a great team, man. I'm just joking, by the way. The field's in unbelievable shape. It's incredible, the best I think it's ever been. But. Uh, yeah, I mean they're a complete team. I mean, they, you, again, you, you've got to execute. Number one, you're, what you're expected to do, uh, you've got to be able to win on plays one at a time. You got to get off the field on third down and create turnovers, and, and then you know you got to play compliment, complimentary football. And uh, in the first half, we didn't do that at Iowa. We put our defense out there too long, uh, and then we didn't get off the field on third down. And and that's really not what we're built to do. Um, you know, here it's play complimentary football, win the turnover battle, and play tough physical four-quarter football and you know obviously we've been inconsistent at that all year is complimentary football becoming like the pseudonym for coaches who just aren't playing well yeah it's i mean it's yeah it's it's just nonsense it's just place it's just play good football i mean it it doesn't even make sense (laughs) just be good on both sides just be good on both sides of the ball that's a complimentary football I, i think the definition of it has been skewed so much and it's something that coaches say so often that the original definition of it, what doesn't even make sense, which was the field position part, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't bury your d- offense. Don't put your defense in bad spots. Uh, it was really trestle ball at its best, right? Is, you know, punt them back inside the five, uh, take advantage of field position game. And now it's just something that's used all the time. Are, are we at all surprised that Pat Fitzgerald is still there? No. He'll I mean, be out of forever. The only thing that's going to, if he gets the itch to go somewhere else and try something else out, and I don't think that's going to be in the college game. I mean, he's still young enough that, like, I think, you know, he could move on and maybe do an NFL job. But with everything that's gone on with the success of college coaches to NFL, I'm not sure if anybody's interested in He might have missed that boat for his interest. He feels like a slightly less neon Dan Campbell. Like, where Dan Campbell's just, like, loud and eccentric and just grit, 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 grit. That would be Pat. And I think to Chops' point, if Fitzgerald wanted to move on, he could, but I don't think that desire's there. He could have moved on to Michigan, maybe to Penn yeah. State years ago, probably could have gone to the league. There was talk that the Bears were interested in him at one point. Um, he's got a pretty good gig. So he coaches in, almost, in his alma mater. He lives in a great part of the country, in a great city. He makes a lot of money. There isn't a whole lot of pressure, and he can have the job forever, and they have all the amenities that you'd want. They're yeah. building an $800 million football stadium just for him. Their their football facilities now are as good as just anybody in the him. country. <laughs> it's they, just for him. They love him, when he, he wants. they love him when he's one and seven, and they yeah. really love him when he's eight and four. It's really a perfect gig. It is. Um, all right, coming up next, Tim May will join us, as he often does, to get us set for this one, and also the next month, more specifically. Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan. The offseason is a myth. Serving you 24 hours a day, seven days a week to feed your sports addiction. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. 
All right, let's get some perspective on this one and the month of November at large as we visit with our good buddy Tim May at the Tim May Podcast on Letterman Row and right here at the Fan on the Tailgate Show. Um, hey, buddy, let's let me start with this one for you. And I don't know if this this one probably isn't going to be muddy. We thought at the beginning of the week that maybe it would. Now it looks like the rain is going to move out, so it'll depend on how much Northwestern keeps that field clear or if they tarp it. All of that to get to this. When is the last muddy game that you remember Ohio State playing? Oh. Like a true mutter. Oh, man. I tell you, I wish you hadn't asked me. I have. Uh, it's been a minute, uh, though, right? Bo. Bo, I'm stumbling. Let's come back to that question. Yeah, it's been a minute. I mean, uh, you know, and but I want to say this about muddy games. Uh, everybody always talks about it being an equalizer. I go, well, wait a minute. If it's muddy for Ohio State, it's going to be muddy for Northwestern. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. this idea that they're they're going to grow the grass three inches higher, and well, it's going to slow them down even more. If, that, <laughs> if that's what you think is the difference, so that all those things never made any sense to me, just from except from a psychological standpoint. Hey, look, I, I know one thing that uh, Tennessee game in the uh, in the Citrus Bowl, the uh, Cleat Gate, as we ended up calling it, uh, about three <laughs> weeks later. That was pretty. That was pretty wet, uh, and Ohio State, of course, came up short. And definitely, Ohio State versus Air Force in the in the nineteen ninety uh, Liberty Bowl in Memphis. It was it was frozen. Ohio State had to uh, basically practice in what a little bit more, a little bit better confines, maybe a little bit better than a garage. But that was about it for like the three days leading <laughs> up to that game. Air Force came in. Excuse me, Is flew that D in. Dallas. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was no. I don't remember the names, but but the point is, uh, Air Force pulls the big upset, and the biggest play in the game was a pass by Air Force, and but it rained that day, Bo, of the game. It rained all the way up to kickoff, and then quit. And, oh wow! And it was a sloppy, m- muddy mess. That was a uh, you know, Robert Smith was a freshman on that mm-hmm. team, et cetera. And you know, of course, we all remember uh, 2015 in Ohio Stadium. Sure, it was one of the worst, one of the nicest days ever in the fall late fall and then all of a sudden or mid-fall and all of a sudden right before game time that big storm blew in and ohio state's uh repeat national championship dreams went down the drain yeah well said uh you i I think the equalizer if you are a team who throws it a lot and we've been that and you're talking about 50 mile an hour wind gusts which is what we could see tomorrow yeah maybe maybe that's how you can talk yourself into it i'm with you uh give me the more talented team by a lot this is a 38 point spread um in this one uh northwestern's bad tim they're they're the worst team in the big 10 this year Uh, they've really really struggled both sides so there's a couple of these, right? Indiana has this feel. Maryland's maybe a little more talented than the previous two, but we've got three kind of weeks here where we can sleepwalk and still win. And yet you've got the eye on the prize Michigan at the end of the year. How will, how do you think Ryan Day will handle these next three weeks knowing that he's got to stay sharp for Michigan in three weeks? Just like he did. I even, you know, kind of asked him about that this week. I mean, you gotta, you know, that, that competitive stamina that he's talking about. He is, yeah. he, that's his, that's his uh, calling card this year, and he wants it to be a calling card for the team. And you got to approach it like you go into the Northwestern game and treat it like it's zero zero, and Northwestern is Michigan, and you line up and play them that way, you know, until um, probably the score tells you otherwise. And that's what they'll do against Indiana. You know, Indiana is kind of uh, a little bit spunky in the in the sense that they sometimes can. Can, can mess you up. I mean, they, they, they can have some schemes that kind of mess you up. Ohio State's witnessed that many times. Usually it's over there, though. You know, mm-hmm. I'd be more worried about that season opener next year over there than I would be uh, this one. But Maryland, I'm telling you, 
Maryland is putting oh, yeah. on offense. And, you know, and they've had to go into their, you know, their quarterback well, where Ohio State really hasn't had to do that. But, and the game is going to be at Maryland before maybe the second game of the century, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first game of the century in 2006. But, uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, man, it's looking like a, looking like a hell of a collision, except when you also look and Michigan's got to play Illinois, two like-minded teams that are going to be going to head to head. So the, the, it's not exactly a rose path to that game, but, you know, when you said week, uh, from week to week, I, I thought you meant W E A K, you know, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, I do. Two, <laughs> yeah, I do. Exactly. I do. I think that, they're going to be probably, I mean, Maryland is probably going to be what three scores at least on a favorite. I think Michigan was favored by Maryland by like 22 and a half. I think it'll be at least yeah. that for us. So this well, is, you saw that game though. You, yeah. No, you no, saw I, know. Michigan, I, Maryland I, game. I know. I certainly know the Maryland, Maryland talent specifically on the edge. I think the key yeah. for Ohio, and this is going to drive Ohio state fans nuts, but this is the reality of it. You've been around this long enough from the national perspective. The Buckeyes are going to be fall, are going to fall off a cliff for three weeks. No one's going to pay attention mm-hmm. to these games other than us that are watching it. Right. No one's going to pay attention to CJ Stroud. Uh, so this is, I call these bottom line games. When, if you're around the country and you're watching Tennessee at Georgia on, on Saturday and the Ohio State score comes across the bottom line, it needs to be, not needs, but you hope it's one that you go, oh, Buckeyes took care of business. 55, 56 to 7 over Northwestern. Stroud, 26 right. a, a 32 for four, you know, <coughs> 375 yards, four scores. These need to be bottom line games for the Buckeyes the next three weeks. No, that, no, that's, I mean, for major awards and things like yes. that? Absolutely. I mean, you you and I both know this weekend is a major moment in the Heisman Trophy race Yeah. Uh, from the standpoint of Hendon Hooker has got to deliver again. But Hendon Hooker has three, <clears throat> two or three uh, marquee games left on his schedule, whereas really uh, uh, C.J. Stroud has two if they beat Michigan and get to the Big Ten Championship game before the final votes are in for the Heisman. Those are just examples. And then right on down the line, you know, the major awards. And then, of course, tomorrow, if the wind's gusting up to 50, uh, it's going to be kind of like those uh, – I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of a weird guy, but I watch these airport cams every now and then that show planes <laughs> coming in and landing, you know. And, yeah. and it could be like it could, it could be like having a camera at the end of the runway, uh, 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 2-7 left at uh, O'Hare, you know, right down the road there. And it could be crazy. But this is also – a a game where Ohio State should be able to line up and run the ball. Last week was a crapshoot running the ball, although they did average more yards per carry than Penn State did. And yep. then the week before, they had 66 yards rushing. This should be a game where you get that well because Northwestern is not very good against the run and it's not very good against the pass, but it's definitely not very good against the run. So, yeah. you know, all kinds of things you can get well at with this game, but it, it doesn't look like it's going to be a 50-6 to six game, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. Hey, do you play that flight simulator game? Have you ever played that? My kids got it on the Xbox Series X that they, that, that where you can go, Dude, take any plane and fly into any airport around the world. You do like these discovery flights. Have you done this? When I when I'm sitting here on on my Opal uh, microphone, yeah. I have to move my my uh, control yoke over so I can set up my uh, Opal situation. Come on, yes, I, I've been I've played Flight Simulator since the first edition, and oh. uh, um, I'm quite adept at it. I really like that X2 plane or whatever it is they uh, gave us from the. Uh, uh, X72, whatever it they gave us from the uh, Maverick series, because I'll crank that thing up, get it to like Mach 9, and fly around the world in it. That's awesome. That was a total a shot of, in the dark. In a matter of an hour. I know you oh, well no, enough. 
I know you well enough to know that it's, it's it, it, that if you're doing the airport, I had a feeling that this would also be in play, that you'd be on the flight oh, yeah. simulator. Yeah, oh, yeah. I flew perfect. the other night. I flew the other night from Buenos Aires to Chicago O'Hare and almost missed the runway. So, anyway, <laughs> life's tough. Well, you, um, you did land it's, on the runway. It's tough, to slow that th- it's tough to slow that thing down, I guess, is my point. It is a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that, my friend. Look. I, my hey, guess my is dream. the Buckeyes land the plane, by the way, yeah. tomorrow. By yeah, a by the way, I margin. think they do, too. They'll get a couple yeah. of – I mean, Emeka Ibuka in the slot. I mean, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. on those slants last week were yeah. so huge. I mean, they, they've got that, quote, short passing game, and they've got a quarterback with an arm as good as anybody. They'll be able to throw the ball a little bit, but some of the deep balls could be adventures. Yeah, could be. All right, good stuff, brother, as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, Bo. You know that, man. All right, our great friend Tim May of the Tim May Podcast on Letter and Row and the Fan Tailgate Show. I knew that he would play that. It just fits perfectly. Uh, the Tennessee Athletic Director had a very interesting social media post yesterday about their intent going forward in the NIL world. Is the Big Ten really to, ready to play by these rules? We better be or we're going to get lapped, and that includes right here. We'll get to that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Second hour here on a football Friday. Buckeyes of Northwestern on Saturday right here on The Fan. There's three planes that are currently being fought in college football. And they kind of run parallel. So one is the facilities fight, right? This is an old fight. We've had this for a long time. Um, you will recall there was, uh, I, I want to say 10 years ago or so, Alabama had a waterfall in their facility. And then within six months, Urban had water falling in the Ohio State facility. Jimbo Fisher put a slide in and then, well, we got to, we'll put a, whatever, dude, slide, whatever. Oregon always had the best looking one too, for obvious reasons. Yeah, there were kids. I remember I told the story before. There was a kid for sure that I remember in the South who was a big-time recruit who visited Oregon just for the facilities and then ended up going there. He ended up transferring back to Florida, but ended up going to Oregon just on the facilities and the swag. Most schools are consistently un- are understanding that you have to consistently improve your facilities. Um, in fact, did you see yesterday the Nebraska facility upgrade that they're doing, the video of this thing? It's pretty. Rem- it's unbelievable what what they've done there. And, and everybody in the state donated five dollars. Yes, they all did. And it, I was going to retweet it with just in like the Ron Burgundy voice. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like to me. The thing's unbelievable. We we talking about Northwestern. Go look at what they did on the lake and what they tried to do at Northwestern. So there's the facilities fight that is constantly being fought, and it's one that, quite frankly, Ohio State probably needs to they've come a long way you know from Trestle to Meyer and now to, to coach day but it's something that has to continue to evolve we probably are going to need a new woody at some point in order to keep up yeah. with all of this i think well, everyone kind of acknowledges that they've done a lot inside and added a lot of yeah. things but it's still not nearly as impressive from an outside looking it's, piece as some of these other ones and like it's not the, inside either chops there's the not head, enough windows yeah, it's well, too that's, dark yeah like the head coaches yeah. the way they're offices look over facilities or wherever it goes out to at other places is so great. And they've tried to upgrade the head coaching office in the Woody and it's not quite there. It's not on par. Like you remember like the Oklahoma one when Lincoln Riley was in there or um, the one at FSU is unbelievable. Their, their football facility connects to Dill Campbell stadium. So Bowden's office was 
basically like a luxury suite in a huge luxury suite in one of the end zones. And you mm-hmm. can get a porch that you can walk out on and look out over the field. We can't do that here. Louisville has that too, where yeah, their facility awesome. goes right into the stadium. Yeah. It's awesome. Those are, those are great. I mean, you see some of those offices. So you have to continue to evolve at that point. The Buckeyes will, but right now it feels like we're a little behind the curve on that. Although the, the, they've done about as much as they can do with the Woody. So there's that fight. The next fight is, do we have enough money in television rights? Damn right we do. We're never going to have to worry about that. Thanks in large part to Ohio State football and how competitive and consistently good it's been over the last 50 years, in large part because of that, because of these brands like Michigan and Penn State, and even our secondary brands like Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, where whole states care about the games. And so when you have these matchups where it's Michigan or Iowa or Ohio State and Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska, whole states are watching. These games. And so you're going to be always in the mix there. And we are going to be at the forefront of that. A hundred million a team. That's not a battle we have to worry about. Facilities battle ongoing. Have to continue to do it. Television rights battle. You're safe there. This last one, there should be pause and there should be a little cause for concern because if you think about the Big Ten's approach for much of its existence, I think it would be fair to say conservative in nature. We're real big on focus groups, get some people to study it. And the conference that we go head-to-head with most is not. They are far more willing and have always been. It's part of their nature. <clears throat> they they are far more willing to push the envelope. So what in, you would never get, what I'm going to play, this is the Tennessee, Tennessee Athletic Director, Danny White. Um, this is something that he put out on his social media platform. He's done a pretty good job. He's hired good coaches. They're good at basket. They're good at men's basketball now. They're good at football now. They're good at baseball. He's got revenue in a lot of places now. And a big part of that is how organized they've been on name, image, and likeness. We talk about the $8 million quarterback from California and so forth and so on. They're dialed in on it. So this is what he posted yesterday. Now, as he's talking, this is the Tennessee athletic director, Danny White. Try to imagine for yourself the Michigan AD, the Penn State AD, or Gene Smith talking like this. Let's have a listen. Good news, Vol Nation. We have new guidelines from the NCAA that allow us to be more aggressive in how we support and promote our name, image, and likeness entities here locally in Knoxville. Over the last year, we've had a ton of success in the NIL space, and I appreciate y'all stepping up in so many ways to support our student-athletes. Moving forward, let's continue to be aggressive, even more aggressive, but with 100% compliance within the rules... (laughs) operating with the highest level of integrity because that's who we are because of you our student athletes have so many opportunities in the nil space i believe we've only scratched the surface of what we're capable of here in the greatest college sports city in america we have the biggest and best fan base in college sports let's continue to use that to our advantage i encourage all of you to support our student athletes and collectives please support the lady vol booster club spire sports and their volunteer club. These collectives have made it their mission to support our student-athletes and help Tennessee athletics be the best that we can be. We make a lot of bold proclamations around here. We talk about being the best athletic department in the country. We have the best fan base in the country. We sit here in the best college sports city in the country. Let's be the very best at name, image, and likeness. Let's continue to push the envelope, operate with integrity, and chase championships across the board in all of our sports. Go Big Orange! So everything he said actually applied here. He likes throwing out superlatives. 
He really does. Best college, but you know, best biggest college city in the country. Like it's here, Austin, Baton Rouge would be second. Knoxville would be behind those. None of them are um, one of the best. He just straight no, 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 up best, best any of them. Yeah, I think what is attention getter and what you should be paying attention to, as as Danny White, the athletic director at Tennessee, was talking, is they are saying, push the envelope. Give us all the money so that we can get all of the athletes and keep them here and keep them happy. And guess what? They're doing it. We talked about this a couple of years ago with NIL when it first came into the mix, when it was first starting to happen. There was rumors and rumblings even then that Tennessee was on it with NIL. They they were It was probably the best combination of incredible state pride, a decently wealthy state in terms of the people who live there, the give-a-damn level of the fan base, and the fact that they were starving for success. So this was their way of jumping the line, and they did it. They did it. Are we going to be willing going forward here at Michigan, at Penn State, at Nebraska, at Wisconsin, Iowa, at those places, are we going to be willing? When we talk to guys around the country, when we preview Iowa, we preview the Wisconsin game, talk to Nebraska, Penn State even, we, we talked to them last week. Where are you with NIL? I always ask that question to our guests. Where are you with NIL? Ah, they're a little behind. They're not down there. So we can, back to the three, three, you know, parallel lines you're fighting. Facilities, yep, you're there. Money from television, yep. NIL, probably not. Not yet. Yeah. So you're going to have to mobilize pretty quickly. Yeah, I think there's still people who are like against the idea, and it's like, that's way gone. <laughs> be we done no with time that. For that. Like that, that's not going to be an issue at all. It's interesting that Danny White, at the beginning of that clip, he goes, Thanks to new legislation, something like that. Thanks to new legislation from the the NCAA. And it's like, what did they change exactly? Basically, they, they, basically they laid out enough of their rules that you're like, okay, we can do whatever we want. That there's (laughs) nothing's going to happen. So now we feel confident that we can just go out there. Now they're telling us we can work directly with the collectives, which is even, even better. So yeah, go ahead, donate to all of these. And it's, it's up to you. You can donate and, and bring in that money because there are, they know they're already getting the money from the big donors. They know that's going to keep coming. So if they can get the basically the subscription base of the fan yep. base coming in, that's going to generate even more revenue for them to dish out to their student athletes. I mean, this is the same school that called for volunteers to donate for goalposts. Oh, yeah. Not only did they hit it, they exceeded the damn ask. Oh, yeah. So Here's, when he right. talks about new NCAA legislation, that legislation is, yeah, I'm wiping my hands. Go for it. Well, the other problem is, guys, as we've talked about a lot, the individual states' laws are going to supersede the NCAA. And the NCAA has no jurisdiction over those laws unless the member institutions want to give it to them. And right now, why would they? So they are these schools, Tennessee, A&M, what you're, and this, is, this was Saban's complaint, right? Is wait a second. Now they have the advantages I used to have, and they have more. So I can't go out work. Tennessee, I can't sell a different product because now their money travels better than mine. Same thing with A&M. This, is, this was Saban's gripe, absolutely. Remember this. You guys remember last year, we're, we were broadcasting live out at the Memorial Tournament. Ryan Day, business leaders, had the luncheon. And Doug LaMaurice. Doug LaMaurice was there. <laughs> and and that number got out of, what was it, 13 million, 12 million, 13 million, something like that. Which is probably low. Which is probably low. That needs to be there. I have heard that in the recruiting world that we're not quite where we need to be in order of taking care of recruits, which is something that Ohio State has said publicly they don't want any part of. 
right? They want to once you. They, my fear is that the Big Ten is going to play by the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. So they will say, well, NIL is about once you're here, we will make sure you're taken care of. We'll take care of you once you're here with NIL. We, we saw that with Quinn Ewers, right? But will we incentivize to come here? Because that's what they're doing down there. I feel like Ryan Day and even Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin truly believe that that is the case, that name, image, and likeness will come once you have earned that, and it's going to take something severe to happen to an Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State on the field to get that to reverse course. Like JT Tuimolo yep. out on three does the NIL valuations, and his went up like 300% or something after the game he had against Penn State. And it's like, yeah, but he was the number one overall recruit in the country to continually get that kind of guy. It's probably going to have to be at that level before he's even on campus, before he has one of the best defensive statistical games in the history of the sport even. And I don't know if the Big Ten's going to get there. And it's also frustrating because we know the money exists just around the programs already, but they can't yeah. give them the money. So now we have to crowdfund through the fans who are already paying, you know, whatever cable packages to watch at home, whatever it costs to go to the game, paying for parking, paying for that. And, and I, I kind of hate that, but it does seem like it's going to be necessary in the future. That was always, I had that rant in the summer about that. Right. About about exactly that like you're coming for my money now and by mine i mean the collective fan base now we have to crowdsource this because of how you guys have driven this thing head on into an iceberg and then also cheer on now your, on your awesome new tv deal that's netting a right. hundred million and buy tickets and if you don't buy tickets to right. crap games you're bad fans right all of this the burden that is on the fan it continues to be pushed to the fan um, this is amazing. I mean, this is an athletic director at Tennessee who they're going to be getting, you know, 90 million a year in television. They've got a 108,000 seat stadium that they're going to sell out from now until forever. And he's saying to you, I need more out of you. Give us more of your money than what you're already giving because we can't share the money that we get with the players because of how stupid this all is. And I wonder too if that works better at like in Nebraska's like this. Um, but not every school has this. I mean, because he mentions like the Lady Vols collective as well. And I think sure. they're pretty passionate about that. Nebraska's passionate about every sport that has a Cornhusker logo on it. And I'm not sure if people around other programs are outside of we're the football getting, team. Yeah, we're getting there. Like every once in a while, I'll see like an image of, of Gene at like Cavelli watching the women's mm -hmm. volleyball team in front of like 4,000 people. So it seems like it's happening here. You know, Coach Ryan with the wrestling program, every once in a while I'll right. see an image. I'll be like, whoa, look at that. Like that's, you know, that feels like that's happening a little bit where you got you're, you're starting to get a little bit of showing out. So I, I think it's it's coming here. But you're right. There are certain places where – and the other thing that they have down there is they've got baseball. So that's mm -hmm. a huge spectator Didn't James say spectator sport in there. Lincoln once he couldn't get a guy at the sports bar to change off the women's volleyball women's game? volleyball, yeah. Yeah, because they're locked into it. Yeah. It's got that, that end on it. They're for it. So I just thought it was interesting that the this is an athletic director for the number one team in the country saying, we're open for business. We were Get only your able money to floor. pay our next quarterback $8 million while he's still in high school. We need right. more. We got we to gotta get more from you. Um, so all of that going on off the field. On the field, it's a really fun weekend around the nation. We'll get you set for it. Doug coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. 
Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. This Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Enjoy Tim Hall, time is pal under the lights, advanced high school football game of the week. Coverage of this week's playoff matchup, it's Pick North, Pick Central, 6.30. After the game, stay tuned for high school football overtime featuring scores and recaps. And then when you get home, catch highlights from the games around Central Ohio on 1st and 10. That's Friday nights at 11.15. On 10 TV, second week of the playoffs on the high school side of things. We got a month kind of racing to the playoffs here in college football as well. And there is potential for some things to be sorted out this weekend. Uh, obviously, the big one is Tennessee at Georgia. Um, there's been a lot of comparisons between this Tennessee team and the Joe Burrow LSU team and the fact that it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and that LSU team, I don't know that there was a complete belief in LSU that year until they won in Tuscaloosa. And once that happened, it flipped. And then they rode that wave throughout the rest of the season and weren't challenged too much from that point going forward. Tennessee could have a similar situation if they go win at Georgia. They are eight-point dogs in this game. If they don't cover, like they can lose and still find their way back into the national championship, into the into the final four. There's no question. If they get drilled by Georgia, I'm not sure if they can. If they lose by 10, by two scores, 14, I'm not sure you can get back in. I mean that. No, they would be, I mean, Georgia would have to lose two more games for them to get back in yeah. to the SEC title, which would be their only shot to beat a Bama twice or to just win the SEC would probably be enough in general. But well, no, I don't, it's going to be that case where you lost to the wrong team. Right. If Georgia, the, the scenario where I don't think Tennessee, I don't think that's true if Tennessee loses by a field goal or if they lose by a touchdown late or something like that, a really competitive well, game. But then they because, would still hold need on just a second, real quick. If Georgia wins out, if Georgia were to win out, then I think Georgia and Tennessee could still go. Right. Well, I'm they saying need, they would need Bama to, to lose course, in that. Of course, they need Georgia to win out. I'm saying if Tennessee gets drilled, like if they don't, I mean, eight points is a lot. The number one team in the country is an eight-point dog. Do they the need dogs. to have this wrong. Like, do the dogs, yeah. Like, if they lose by two scores to Georgia by 14, I think that's held against them personally. And I think a lot of the good they've done this year is almost forgotten. It's going to be a tough argument getting back in. And then the ironic thing would be Georgia would get credit for beating a good Tennessee team. They could go to the SEC title game, lose to Alabama, and yeah. both those teams would be in. And the team they, one of the teams they beat it would be in over them. Correct. Yeah. But I think Tennessee would almost be cooked regardless if they lose big. So I think they don't have to beat Georgia to stay alive for the national title, but they do have to... This has to be a game. My hunch is that it will be. If they um, beat Georgia, do they become the favorite? Be interesting. I mean, if they play, be interesting to see what they would be, what the pick would be against Alabama in the SEC title game. Yeah, you know, if they would be favored slightly by in by three or something like that, I would think so. I would think that this would be very similar to that LSU win over Alabama with Burrow, where once that happens, we were like, oh, everything we've seen from them is legitimate. You know, I, I think that there's a chance that that would be the case. Bam is going to get tested. They got LSU this week. Number 10. I like how you put the quotation marks around 10. Please, come on. Um, <laughs> I, I think Bam is going to be, be more than fine in that game. They're two touchdown favorites, right? Isn't it like 14? It's 14 or 13 and a half. It's big. Yes, 13 yeah. and a half. 
Yeah, so that'll be one to watch. It, from a viewership guide, our game at noon into Tennessee, Georgia, and then in the late games, you'll have Alabama at LSU. You'll have Clemson at Notre Dame, which is an elimination game, potentially. Uh, we're all Irish, not necessarily because Ohio State has anything to fear, but if you don't want to see Clemson in the playoff and have some new blood in there, a loss to Notre Dame in South Bend, I think, would do that. I think that would be the end of the road uh, for Clemson in terms of trying to find their way into the playoff just based on who they've played. The weather for my, uh, I've got a South Bend bureau chief who now is also moonlighting as an amateur meteorologist telling me it's going to be 30, 30 mile an hour wind Saturday night in South Bend for that game. So that could be tough for DJ to throw it. Could be tough for Notre Dame to throw it. That game could get ugly. What Drew happens? Pine is their quarterback now. Drew Pine, yeah. yeah. What happens with Clemson? Cause they benched Uyengalale against Syracuse. Cade Klubnick came in and yeah. handed the ball off. And it was the Shipley know. show at Death Valley. And so does that become the same thing to where it's just DJ handing the ball off? But DJ kind of got benchied because he wasn't even great at that. I yeah. think D- I think Dabo probably has the credibility with the program to say DJ's back in. It was a bad day. Dabo loves DJ. He has never he come him. off him at all. No. He has just uh-huh. had confidence in him the whole time. And it's been, you know, I, I guess if you compare last year to this year, he's playing a little bit better. So sort of. Up and down, but mostly down for DJ, not living up to the recruiting expectation of when he came into Clemson. But like Reeser was saying, hey, if it's bad weather, they've shown that they're okay with just running the ball. And yeah, that might sure. be enough against Notre Dame. I mean, they, I think both these teams would be happy if this game's like 10-7, 13-10. I, I think they're both plenty satisfied with that. If the weather's that bad, that they'll just play that out. I asked this to Pete Sampson, who was on with us yesterday. Does Marcus need to beat Clemson or USC for this to be viewed a successful season? I think he does. I think one of them he's got to win. I think that's fair. Yeah. If you lose them both, now you got five losses, and you what's your win of significance? So in order to prove that, like you know what you're doing on on the field schematically, I think he needs to have one upset win, and he's got a chance here. I don't know that any of us thought that he would have. That Clemson would be ranked fourth when they played him. That USC, if if USC can hold hold form, would be ranked you know seventh, eighth, ninth by the time they play him. So he's going to play three monster teams from a rank standpoint. I think he needs one win. I feel like another thing that's tricky as a Notre Dame head coach is you don't get a chance at the if you start slow at the end of the year to like still be alive in a division chance and maybe a chance to go to a conference title game. It's you're either going to be playoff caliber and they're definitely not now because they have three losses. So now you just got to win some of these bigger games, and that's the only thing you can hang your hat on because there's nothing else to really look forward to at this point because Notre Dame fans don't get up for the Insight Bowl or whatever they might end up in. No. No. it's They're going to get the best possible bowl based on their brand for their record, but that's that's what you're trying to sell. So, look, it's a good week. It's a really good week in college football. If you like, if you like watching it, get your outside TVs. It's going to be a great day here on Saturday. Uh, get them rolling a little bit because you have a, you have a nice weekend for it. Doug Maurice will join us coming up next. Bishop and Friends, right here on the Fan Sports Conversation, and Bobby Carpenter doodling cartoons of genitalia. A recipe for success. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast, or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, let's get a little smarter with our buddy, good 
Doug LaMaurice on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Hey, bud, off the top of this last hour, um, we played a clip of the Tennessee Athletic Director, Danny White, um, which is a clip he put out on his social channels and basically said, hey, we're open for business. Uh, we need all the money that you got. We're going to be the best at NIL and, and just watch what we've done already, and there's more of it. I, I, I was, I'll pose this question to you. Is the Big Ten prepared to fight that fight with NIL with schools like Tennessee and Texas A&M and some of the ones in the South? Uh, I think Ohio State is. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Of there's Sometimes there's a Big Ten question and there's an Ohio State question because Ohio State is of the Big Ten and part of the Big Ten, but also kind of different than other schools in the Big Ten. So, you know, I, I don't know that what he's saying there is all that different than what Ryan Day said a couple – months ago where he said, you know, it's going to take $13 million to keep our roster together. That's just the reality. And I think a lot of people in the Big Ten were like, what? But also James Franklin at Penn State was like, hey, that's real. We got to do that too. So, you know, is the Big Ten ever going to go as far as the SEC? Well, they didn't. They haven't ever, right? But can they get close enough to compete? I think Ohio State will. I think Penn State wants to. I think USC will. I think Michigan will try to get pretty close. So I don't know that it changes, Bo, that much than the world we've been living in, where there is kind of an SEC way of doing business, and the top of the Big Ten is, is willing to do enough to compete, I think. Yeah, I, I, we, we our concerns are, are on the Buckeye side of things, and then you hope you have a yeah. couple of dance partners who, who view things in a similar way so that you can keep the football program where it is. Uh, actually referenced you know, that, that, that thing back in, in May where you were there and chronicled that he said that, that made a lot of news at that time, uh, that that was being said, but that was also kind of done in a way behind closed doors and, and they are now all out in it and, and pushing it. I mean, I could never imagine Gene Smith, you know, saying something like this and putting something out on his social channels. And I think we're at the point where we can't afford not to. Like, look, the Big Ten's always going to do be right there in television revenue. It's always going to be right there in facilities. You just have to make sure you're right there on NIL. And the the thing that is that is so bothersome to me is it's one more burden on the fan, right? Like, you don't do enough. Now we need more of your money because we can't we can't this hundred million we're getting for TV. We can't give them any of that. Yeah, no, and that's the choice. I mean, I, I do think in the end, I think the fans have to make a choice, right? I hope it's not that we need everyone to give double, you know, give to the university and also give to the collective so we can compete in NIL. It's just maybe give a little less to the university so, and give more to the collectives. And, you know, I don't know. The two collectives for Ohio State are pretty out there, pretty pretty forward-thinking, I think. You know, the people with Ohio State are, are involved with doing, you know, like fundraisers or whatever with the collectives, I do think. I do think from the coaching side of things, I think they're pretty interested in pushing this down the road. And I do think that, you know, the administrative level, Gene Smith and those kind of people, I think, I think they do try to balance things. And I, I agree with you. Is Gene going to be on Twitter asking for money tomorrow? Probably not. Yeah. But I think they get with maybe a little more reluctantly, but I also think they know the score and they know the deal. And they want to win national championships. And so, um, you know, I do think, but Tennessee also has to do this because they've got to capitalize on being hot right now. You know, if they get their doors blown off by Georgia on Saturday, which I don't think they will, but this might be peak Tennessee, depending. They got to, they got to strike while the iron is hot, but also they don't have the recent success that Bama and Ohio State and Clemson can fall back on.
There's no, there's no question about it. The, the, the iron is white hot for them right now. Um, this is the, I, I was a, I was a big, proponent of this and really pushed this last Friday when we were going to Penn State from the standpoint of to Buckeye fans, enjoy this. This is a real opponent. I really liked the game. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed seeing a game that was a three-quarter game that took all the way into the fourth before you were able to pull away. Um, you're not going to get that the next three weeks, Doug. How do you – it's back to our age-old question. How do, you, how do you view this? What? How does Ryan Day keep a team sharp – which was sharp in this in the fourth quarter specifically against Penn State. How does he keep it sharp for three weeks before they play Michigan? You know, this has come up a lot. I, I do think there's some reasonable Clemson comparisons here that in this mm-hmm. playoff era, certainly I've you know a lot of us have looked and said, "Hey, Clemson's good. The ACC stinks. They have a cakewalk to the playoff more years than most." But then when Clemson gets to the playoff, Clemson's ready. I don't know that we've ever really, maybe the Kelly Bryant year when they were the one seed and lost a four seed Bama, but most of the time Bama, I mean, Clemson has an easy time, isn't tested, and then is ready to roll against the best. So I think for fans, it's like interesting for the team to get a test during the regular season. I really don't know that staying sharp against lesser competition is a huge problem. Because I do think it's a little coach speak, but I do think there's also a lot of truth to it. That they do push each other in practice. You know, they go hard, one versus one. And I think it is fun to see a good game. Now, you know, a lot of the fans that I've interacted with are were kind of stressed out about that and, and worried. And I, I more agree with you. They found a way to win, and I think it's more good than bad the way that game went. But I don't, I don't think I have a huge concern about Ohio State staying sharp um, because I do think the teams at the top, you keep yourself sharp, and then you, you tread water on Saturday and try to stay healthy and, and be ready for Michigan and what's next. Yeah, the hard thing, I think, for, for all of us, not so much us, but I mean in terms of, of, of fans sometimes, is th- this program is going to disappear for three weeks, Doug. It's going to be playing in yeah. a closet. Like, we're going to watch it. We'll pay attention to it. It's our job to do it. But the College Football Nation will not. Uh, this that And that's something that you – I, I call these bottom line games. When when you're if you're somebody around the country and you're watching Tennessee at Georgia, you need to look down and see number two Ohio State forty nine to nothing over Northwestern. C.J. Stroud twenty eight to thirty two three eighty four touchdowns. That's what you need to see because no one's watching yeah. these games outside of us. No, I agree with that. It's one of those things. I mean, there's always a fine line. This is a constant Ohio State conversation. You want your conference to be good so that people respect you and your resume is valued, but do you really wish you were playing three top 25 teams the next three weeks? Like, is that if that's the alternative, that, hey, Ohio State-Michigan is going to be a humdinger, I think we'll get to 11-0 versus 11-0. I think that'll be two top four teams by the time that game is played, and it'll be one of the two or three best regular season games of the year. Um, Michigan's playing Illinois the week before that. Mm -hmm. That is a heck of a spot for Michigan. If you're Ohio State, do you wish you were playing Illinois, which has a highly ranked defense and a Heisman candidate at running back the week before Michigan? Or do you take the three pretty easy ones and get yourself ready for what matters? It's that you can wish yourself into tougher games and find yourself in a situation where you're in 2015 and you're playing a scrappy Michigan State team the week before Michigan, and now all of a sudden that game's too hard. This is a rare opportunity where we have someone who spent boots on the ground in Evanston for, for several years, Doug, with your, with your education over there. Uh, we're hearing 50 mile an hour wind, uh, in gusts up to 50 miles an hour, sustained 30. What does that mean for Ryan Field? 
Uh, so it is like a, you know, it's like a small bowl, right? That it's not, it's not a real high stadium and it is grass. So like, it's going to be a show, man. Like it's, it's going to be weird probably. <laughs> and I, and I saw you tweeting, I know if you've been talking about it, you know, like when, if, if there's a lot of rain now it's temperate, it's not going to be cold. No. So it's going to be like nice, like a nice warm rain and, uh, you know, a hurricane with the wind. So. You know, the wind really does matter. I remember that the Michigan State game in 2016, the ball was throwing, was blowing sideways, and J.T. Barrett was throwing curved balls. Did we lose Doug there? I think we lost him there at the end. Yeah, lost him at the end. Dang it. I want, so it sounds like it's not going to be that, that the, the weather will impact it, that the, that the wind is going to be there and that you're going to get that. I mean, that's boots-on-the-ground experience from Lay Marie's, fine Northwestern alum. Well, there you go. Just run the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know what? No, because Ohio State's a 38 point favorite. I'm going to dust off this gimmick. Da bomb. Da bomb. And see if it goes well, the it. other way. Throw like, it have downwind. CJ turn around, throw into the wind, and see, because Route Man Marv will catch anything, right? Catch it, yeah. So just see what happens. Like, let's lean full into yakety sacks football, because why the hell not? Like, that, if you're talking about the country not getting eyes on your product, That'll get eyes on your product because it'll make Sports Center top 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Don't be trying to throw accurate balls. Try to throw it into the jet stream and have your wide receiver figure out where that lets out. Because who's going to want to watch like Hendon Hooker goof around at 3.30 when you've got Stroud yeah. throwing Whirlybird passes? Yeah, there's That's what the people want. It's that's like a, a Nerf ball out there. Yeah, that's, that's a win for everybody. Get whistle. The, great, the great Doug Lamarice, uh, Cleveland.com, joined us on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We hit Thing or Not a Thing up next. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. Your home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew. And our sincere apologies for common man singing Creed songs. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing on a football Friday. Hit it, boys. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. Here we go on a Friday from the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Wisconsin interim coach Jim Leonard says he hasn't had an opportunity to talk to the athletic director yet and share his vision. Quote, looking forward to when the time is right to sit down with Chris McIntosh and kind of show him what I think this place can be and should be. Thing or not a thing? He's a liar. Give me a break. (laughs) He hasn't talked to the AD? He's the interim head coach. Most people felt like if they didn't make this move now, they might lose him to another job. He turned down the job to be the defensive coordinator of the Packers to stay at his alma mater. He's the next head coach at Wisconsin. And that conversation's already taken place. The idea that he would have not talked to the AD by now is just nonsense. What, I don't they, understand the point of... Did they fire Chris and send him a text? Yeah, I mean, like, head coach I, I don't now. understand the point of lying about it because it's impossible for me to believe that they have not had conversations. It's, well, it's ridiculous. One of those things where he's not technically lying because they've never had a formal conversation yeah. about Come the on. job. Like, he's never formally interviewed for the head coaching vacancy that's there at Wisconsin. So, therefore, he never had the conversation. He's not, in fact, lying. But uh, people do this all the time when you talk about, like, in the NFL or even in college. Like, they've had conversations. They've just never had any formal processes so that they can hide behind this. Now, it's likely they won't till after the season a formal thing is done or some, you know, window dressing to make it look like this was a process because you've got to abide by certain rules. But, yeah, this is like a text was probably sent or 
someone's agent spoke out to Leonard's agent, and they're like, yeah, we're good. Good job, buddy. He 100% has had face-to-face conversations with the AD about the future of the program. He's an alumni. He's Come on, interim head football coach. Like, right. like the AD's just like, oh, I'll, I'll get to him. I'll get to it's it. It's the, the most the important thing any athletic director has yes. to take care of it's at any the school. The only job he has is figuring out the future of that program. Bob Huggins was asked by reporters yesterday his thoughts on the possibility of Gonzaga joining the Big 12. From Huggy Bear, quote, to get in this league and play who we play day after day, I would think it would be a tremendous awakening. You don't get to make your own schedule in the Big 12, end quote. Thing or not a thing? So here's what I would say. He's right. I mean, it would be an amp up in competition to play as opposed to the WCC schedule that Gonzaga has been playing all these years in conference. Now, there's some good teams there. St. Mary's is usually good. Pepperdine's pretty good. Those teams usually make noise in the tournament, too. So it's not like they're just, you know, paper tigers out there. It's a good league. But Huggins is right. Like, to go from that to have to go play at Morgantown, play in Lawrence, play at Waco, that's a different level of, of basketball that they would be playing. Now, I will give Gonzaga credit for this. Their non-conference, they will play anybody, anywhere, anytime, anyplace. And they've done that for 20 years. So they'll go on the road, and they have. They're doing the best they can. But I think he's right. I think it's a true thing. Yeah, Gonzaga schedules like women's basketball programs. It's one of the great things about college women's basketball. All the top teams are like, sure, we'll play in the regular season. Yeah. But sometimes it's in the middle. It's like in the middle of conference stuff. So that's good yeah. for Gonzaga. I think also Huggins is missing the, the second part of that. It's like, you're right. It is more competitive. So, yeah, they're not going to end up with these 36-1 and type records every year. But they also get more respect from losing games in the Big 12. So, all in all, it might put them at the same spot if they can find a way to win the league, and they might still be a one seed. So yeah. it, there's a trade-off there where you get more respect. For your your record in your loss column doesn't hurt you as much as when you're playing in the WCC. Up next, Dwight Howard says he wants to face off with Shaquille O'Neal at WrestleMania 39 to <laughs> determine the king of L.A. WWE is hosting its biggest show of 2023 in April at SoFi Stadium where the Chargers and Rams play. Howard believes it's the perfect opportunity for the former Los Angeles Lakers centers. Okay. Battle inside the squared circle. Quote, let's go, Shaq. Let's go. Superman versus Superman. Howard said on Wednesday's edition of the Club Shay Shay podcast. Thing or not a thing? I can't believe you could read this entire thing without just dying laughing. It's just (laughs) such a bunch of nonsense. Um, Dwight Howard is one of those guys who does not see himself the way the rest of the world sees himself. And what's crazy about that, there was a stretch where he was dominant and a Hall of Fame type player for a stretch of time through his time in Orlando. And then the game just kind of changed and he became obsolete in a hurry. Um, That said... I think the best way to describe this would be to use the line from the great Tywin Lannister. A lion does not concern himself with the opinion of sheep. Shaquille O'Neal is on a different plane. By the way, Shaquille hates him. So if he actually did this, he would probably actually try to hurt him. Uh, It's... I would actually kind of move toward this being a thing. Johnny Knoxville wrestled at WrestleMania last year. And if you offered Shaq enough money... He's got he so much. Probably, I know. But, but he, he does like any opportunity. loves attention. But what does he have to do when he does that stuff? He always wants a piece of it. So right. if he's going to wrestle in WrestleMania, he's going to need the McMahon family to give him a piece of WWE. I might. Well, I don't know if they need Shaq necessarily to sell that thing, but it wouldn't hurt. And is, I, it, I, is wrestling still a thing? Is it a big deal right now? How is it? Is it healthy? It's been a long time since I've too. actually watched the program. 
Yeah, I don't know. I used to be a big wrestling know. fan, but it's, it doesn't... I think WrestleMania is in SoFi Stadium, so it's, yeah, it's still getting huge venues to, to be in. I just... Dwight Howard, you know, there's not a lot of people in the world that are bigger than Dwight Howard, and Shaq is one of them. Only if Magic Johnson could do a run-in and hit Dwight Howard with a chair <laughs> would you interest me Magic in Johnson's curated his image. He's not doing anything like that. Or if Irvin was like the special guest referee. Now, Kareem... Kareem, Kareem could do the run-in. Yeah. Um, do we want to do Chris Oppmann Bell or Golden State Warriors here? I want to do Oppmann Bell. Do Ryan it. Burns, Gophers reporter for 24-7 Sports, is reporting that Chris Oppmann Bell is returning for what will be his seventh season at Minnesota after being granted a medical red shirt. Oppmann Bell tore his ACL in the Gophers' Week 3 win over Colorado. Thing or not a thing? It's an, it's an absurd years. thing. Seven seasons of college football? So he'll be 25. Now we have, I mean, Hooker's You better 24. have a master's degree by the end. Yeah, yeah. It, it's absolutely, uh, I mean, it's an enormous thing. I can't imagine, like, going to college for seven years. That's, yeah. Doctors. A lot of people go to college <laughs> for seven years. Yeah, yeah they're called doctors. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it reminds me, at the end of the show, Parks and Rec, there's a time where they, like, all move on to the, the National Park Service, but Ron Swanson stays behind. He says he, like, looks up one day, and the place was different. And that's what it's going to be like for Chris Ottman Bell. He's at <laughs> least had Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan there this whole time. Those guys are going to be gone. You're going to look up, and you're going to be the grandpa sitting there with all these new kids, and you have no idea who any of them are. So, I mean, good for him. I guess he wants to keep playing. I would think after six years and multiple medical red shirts and things like that that you'd just kind of be done, but I don't know. Can you imagine seven years of row the boat, ski you ma, go gophers? He really likes it. For seven years. Maybe he'll be a, a graduate think, assistant right after. I would think uh, it would wear thin like on year three, let alone seven of it. Last one real quick. For the first time ever, all 15 NBA games on Monday will be available to watch for free on the new NBA app. All 30 teams are playing November 7th ahead of Tuesday off to encourage uh, voting on Election Day. Thing or not a thing? Wow. So Every team in the league's playing. You can watch them all on the app. They're okay. all off Tuesday. I, I think the more all off Tuesday is more of a thing. I've never seen of a I've never heard of a sports league taking a collective day off for civic duty. It's pretty for them, I guess. Yeah. I, guess. I mean, imagine thinking about going to vote and they're like, "No, no, I got to watch the Magic." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot, Warriors are on. <laughs> can't go vote today. Game one of eighty two. I can't year. vote today. I can't go to the polling place. Tip off is in three hours. Sorry, That's JD right. Vance. The Cavs are on. That's right. No votes for you. All right, final hour here on a football Friday. We'll know the scores. Chops has been on a heater the last couple of weeks. The the lead that I once had that was large is shrinking. Uh, we will get to that really interesting weekend in college football. A little bit of Shelly time from Finland coming up at the bottom of the hour. Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan. One is upside down on an inversion table. The other one's wearing a tank top without pants. Ready for your workout? Radio doesn't get any better than this. You nasty. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. Producers, co-hosts, friends, some of those things are true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Final hour here on a Football Friday. Buckeyes and Northwestern at noon right here on The Fan tomorrow. Are you guys post tomorrow? Post, post, post. Post, 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 post. What's your hit time? Give the people. You got 5.30-ish to 7. 
Ooh, so you'll get like that'll be fun. You'll get the uh, you'll be able to react to the three thirty. Keep an eye on Georgia and Tennessee and it's, kind of put the, the day in perspective. Yeah, it is a really fun show because you, you hit the Buckeyes at certain points during the show. You react to what's going on live and what else happened at noon. And we drink on the air. <laughs> we don't do that. Certainly encouraged. Isn't it? I feel like it. I mean, if everybody who's listening has had a few, would they really even notice if you've had a few? Actually, would they be able to notice if we did a show sober or drunk? <laughs> and it would sound the same, I feel like. To be fair, they're his historical reference points, and yes, you can. <laughs> you can no, tell. I'm talking about just Chops happened. and I, not Chop, other yeah, radio honks. Yeah, even the two of you. I do believe that you would be able to do that. It's Look, we, we've talked about this. this. It's a tough one. There, there's no threat at all. You cannot come up with an, a way, a roadmap for Northwestern to make this one interesting into the fourth. There's no sales pitch for it. Uh, you know, this you'd be Draper selling the the thing to Kodak. That ain't gonna work here. There's there's nothing here that's gonna work. This is a beatdown. This is an overwhelming advantage for Ohio State. And so you just you just want to play it and you want to stay healthy. And it's as simple as that. You, the same will be true as we next week. It'll go by in a blink. By the way. We'll be sitting here doing the same thing for the home game against Indiana. Two weeks from now, Maryland, okay, eh, you know, they, they can't match up, but they got a couple of guys on the outside. They could get a little frisky. We actually Maybe know who plays some, quarterback for them. Right. <laughs> They've got a pro at receiver. Like, you know, there's a couple of things that you could talk yourselves into. And, of course, Michigan sells itself. And as we talked off the top of the show with the email from the listener, I think everyone's kind of getting a little bit nervous about that Michigan game and, and the way that Michigan is playing. And that's a um, good thing. Yes, it is. And and much like last week was a good thing. Like last Saturday was a lot of fun. Was it stressful? Yes, but it should be. It every week shouldn't be forty two to nothing, bing bong bong, and over at halftime. Like you should have to to struggle from time to time, especially against really good opponents. And Penn State is a really good opponent, and you still almost covered. So that to me, I take that over what we're going to get tomorrow all day long. This one, like one to three things is going to come from me. Second quarter, I would be shocked if it's not a second quarter, three things. Quite frankly, I could probably do it at seven nothing, but I'll wait until at least they're up three or four scores. And I think that'll probably come sometime in the second quarter. I think the weather does make it interesting. I haven't seen us play in 50 mile an hour wind gusts. I don't know what that looks like. That type of chaos adds for some intrigue, but I agree with Tim May. If it makes it tougher for us, it certainly is going to make it a lot tougher for them because they don't have the physical advantages that the Buckeyes have. So that's the game you're going into. The good news is the college football slate as a whole is really good, and you'll be able to check all of this stuff out if you want to throughout the day. And that leads us to Know the Scores. It. It's time for Know the Scores on Bishop and Friends. Sponsored by Roosters, a fun casual joint, and the official wing sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Gentlemen, we are closer than we've ever been. Since week one. Record-wise, since the first week of the season. And even then, Chops has had to dig himself out of a hole. And dig, he has done. Eight and three last week to bring his overall record to 47 and 51. I think that's two of the last three weeks have gone eight and three. So that's... Probably unsustainable, but very good. Hey, not with that attitude. Ladies and gentlemen, now that he's out of the car and his helmet's off, let him hear it. (laughs) The the wildest thing was I missed Ohio State. They they almost covered, but they didn't cover. And then as I was sitting here doing the show on Saturday with Devere Posey, I was looking at it and I was like, 
wait, I got that one, that one, that one, that one. That one. I got all seven of the other ones, and then I went one and two in the night games. But I got seven in a, a row on my sheet, and I was like, it's wow, <laughs> that's pretty good. So I've never seen, I will say this, because usually what happens with this type of thing is you dig a hole and then you overthink it the rest of the way and the hole just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You dug a hole and somehow you're out of it. It's it's remarkable that you're this close to 500. Uh, good job out of you. Less, exi- less exciting for me, Reese. Go but ahead, at 49 and 49 overall, Bo, yeah. still two games above chops. But four and seven last week, everybody's looking to dig out. Yeah, it's been a rough stretch for me. Really has been. Let's start tomorrow at noon. Camp Randall, Wisconsin, is a five-point home favorite against Maryland. That game's on the Big Ten Network if you're so inclined or a sicko, Bo. Here's my theory on why Chops has had so much success. I am giving him all of these Big Ten crud games that I will never watch. (laughs) And he watches this stuff, and I don't. Like a so true like, degenerate. I, he is, and he's a sicko, so like he but will be paying attention Everybody somehow. wanted to pick Nebraska to cover yep. last week. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Chopper, <laughs> you get into the Big Ten West, Chopper's got it handled. <laughs> like if, they, if ever there is a need, like if anybody, at some point in history, if somebody says, God, you know what we need? We need a fine bomb show that's just done in the Big Ten West. I've got your host. Boom. He's ready. He's ready for it. He's absolutely <laughs> ready. All right. I have, who in the blue hell knows? Are you kidding me? Maryland at Wisconsin. So what's Wisconsin been? Up and down. Fire, Chris. You, you think there's going to be a bump? There isn't. They're playing at home. They got to win by five. That's all we need here out of Wisconsin. Uh, will Maryland be frisky? One thing that seems to be the case with Mike Loxley teams is they're either they're either really impressive or they get slumped. Like just there's no middle ground. So Jim Leonard at home. I'll take Wisconsin winning by six, but I don't love it. This one, so you got Talia coming off of injury. They, I, I believe they had a bye. They, they, they got by Northwestern because Northwestern's terrible without him. So Talia should be back. So I'm actually going for the upset on this one on the road. The Terrapins come in, and Wisconsin, they've bounced back a little bit on their year, but they're still not a very good team. I've got Maryland winning 30-26. to 26. Next up, still a nooner, likely Purdue's last grasp at any chance of winning the Big Ten West crown. They are three-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Chops, do you like your team here? So this is one where I'm going to bet so that I can enjoy the game, hopefully. So I'm picking Purdue to win 27-24. to Pay attention to the scores. Purdue has had Iowa's number in recent years. Um, I wonder if the defense will get up to actually stop Purdue's best receiver, who is an Iowa transfer in Charlie Jones, who's having a great year. Usually the best receiver on Purdue's team just ignites Iowa, but I'm hoping that they don't quite do that. So just a three-point win for Purdue. That way I can be like, well, I was right. Purdue did win, but Iowa covers, and I get this right. Purdue's been just a brutal team to figure out this whole year. It feels like when they have momentum, uh, then they lose it right away. They got drilled at Wisconsin the last time out. Um, I'm going to roll with you. The Hawkeyes rolling all of a sudden. They they somehow – uh, they've they've salvaged it. Brian Ferentz got to figure it out. The guy's an offensive genius. They scored 33 points at Northwestern. Uh, I like the Hawkeyes to to keep this one frisky, maybe even win it. Give me Iowa. Our final nooner is uh, number seven TCU is an eight and a half point home favorite hosting Texas Tech. Bow. Boy, the Big Twelve. It, you're going to get a lot of points. You're going to have incredible point swings. Um, TCU undefeated. Lots to prove. Eight zero on the season. Texas Tech beat Texas, but they did so without Ewers. So the last couple of times out, I like Texas Tech by 10. 
Give me the Horn Frogs winning by ten. Oh, the Horn Frogs. Win. Okay, you said Texas Tech by ten. I'm sorry, like, well, no, 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 no. TCU, TCU. Horn Frogs by ten. Texas something. So uh, my TCU by ten. My buddy sent me this, and it was interesting. You've got. 56% of the bets on Texas Tech, which is pretty close to the 50-50 margin. But something like 87% of the money is on Texas Tech. And we were talking about that. Hmm, that seems odd. Why would everybody be rushing with who's betting big real money to be on Texas Tech? They know something. They know something. TCU wins. Oh, God. But 42 to 35. So Chops is sharp people, now. Look at this. It really is a sharp... <laughs> All right. Always go opposite of the of the big trends chopper. Well, Always. no, that you see, you go out. That money is where. Oh, is di- I see. It's the it's money, the big money, not the, not all the tech. bets, not the bets. Okay, yeah. all right, good job. I follow your logic. To games that matter at three thirty, top ranked Tennessee is at number three Georgia. The dogs are eight point favorites in this one. Chops. These are this Alabama. I have I have this singing suspicion that I'm going to get the Alabama and Georgia games wrong. Like, and I've been like flipping. Do I flip both of them? Do I flip one? But then I flip the wrong one, and I go zero and two in them. So I'm just sticking with what I have written down here. I'm not going to go and flip on them in the middle of the segment. I've got Georgia winning, but that number's just a little too big for me. Dogs forty two to thirty five. Yeah, same. And if it's anything other than this, like I talked about earlier in the show, then I think Tennessee, I don't care what happens the rest of the way, they're out of it. Like, if you lose by two scores, you lose by 10 or 14 at Georgia, then I don't want to hear about you being in, in the national championship. This is your playoff game. This is it. Like, you, they don't have to win it, but they can't get routed, and I don't think they will. I, I think they'll be able to throw it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I could see them winning this game, but I think Georgia will end up winning the game. I think it's close. I like Tennessee to cover as well. To Bloomington next, Indiana is a 14-point home dog to number 15 Penn State shops. Can the Nittany Lions cover on the road? I liked what I saw out of Penn State last week. Um, I think Sean Clifford is, you know, a very experienced quarterback. So when he's playing bad teams, that can really, really help you. And I think he can have a good game. He's throwing the ball all over the yard. Also, two Ohio State players last week. I don't think he's going to have quite the same problem. I don't think JT Tuimoloau is suiting up. For the Hoosiers, so I don't care that this number's big. I'm going Penn State 35-17. Yeah, I, I like that as well. I, I think Penn State kind of found a little bit of something uh, and have a little confidence. I think Franklin rallies his program a little bit, and I think Indiana's brutal. So I, I like I like Penn State winning this one 42. Yeah, no, it's probably too much. Let's go 38-14. I'm going to have to clear my eyes out here because I'm looking at this next oh, one. Yeah. And Bert is a 17-point <laughs> favorite. At home, Illinois is. The 16th-ranked Illini host Michigan State at 3.30. And in the year of our Lord, 2022, Brett Bielema is a is more than a two-touchdown favorite, Bo. All right, so here's what they've done. All right, they beat Virginia by 21. They beat Wisconsin by 24. That's the Paul Christus fired game. They beat Iowa by three. They beat Minnesota by 12. Um, and they beat Nebraska by 17, which would be right on the number. Michigan State's coming off of a lot. They got a lot of guys suspended for this game. What is Michigan State's give a damn level in this thing? I'm not sure that it's there, but I'm not giving Burt 17. Give me Sparty to cover the 17. Yeah, that number's just a little too big for me. And yes, there are suspensions to deal with. And I don't know enough about Michigan State's roster to know where those guys fall on the two deeps off the top of my head when, you know, reading the names in the ESPN stories. But. They did a pretty good job against Michigan's run game. It didn't just completely destroy them. And that's all Wisconsin, or Illinois wants to do. They want to run the ball. They hand the ball to Chase Brown a bunch. So I think they can slow that down just enough. Illinois 31-17.
Next up, a top 10 tussle in Death Valley. Under the lights at 7 p.m., number 10 LSU is a 13.5-point home dog to number 6 Alabama Chops. I just don't think Bama's defense is good enough to cover these big numbers this year. I've gotten, you know, I thought, oh, they would just roll against A&M. Oh, they, they, they don't, they're not afraid of anybody. Like, no, I just don't think Alabama's defense is that good this year. So I've got Bama winning, but only by 10, 35-25. Bama's coming off a bye. So is last, time we, last time we saw Bama, they played Mississippi State. They beat them 30-6. to Bye week, get healthy, freshman tackles at LSU. Will Anderson finally eats top 10 matchup, right? Wink, wink. <laughs> I like Bama big and Saban sending a message to LSU in this one. I, I like Bama 38-20. Uh, 7 o'clock at the Little Apple. Number 13 at Kansas State is a two-and-a-half-point home dog against number 24 Texas, Bo. Yeah, I think it's an appropriate home dog. I think Texas with yours is a little bit different. Uh, I, I know it hasn't all been roses, but I, I just think they're the better team in this one. I think Kansas State's the dog to begin with. Uh, I like Texas winning it outright. The last time out, Texas lost to Oklahoma State. That was a couple of weeks ago. I think they'll rebound from that with the extra week and win in Manhattan and, and do so by more than three. Be a fun game, probably 38-31, something like that. Yeah, they've both had recent games in where they had a big lead and they actually gave it up. Texas against Oklahoma State, Kansas State against TCU. And I feel like with what Kansas State did last week, oh, they just destroyed Oklahoma State, that this number is just kind of begging you to go with K-State, but I'm not falling for it. I got Texas 35-31. to 31. At 7.30, Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point home dog against number four Clemson Chops. I think that the weather might be a factor, but I just what I saw the other week against Syracuse, where Clemson says, "Okay, we got to get a win. Let's go get a win. We'll run it on the ground. We'll just keep handing it off. We'll run it the entire second half. Three and a half points is enough for me to say that they can they can or little enough that I think they can do it. I got Clemson thirty one to twenty four. Sorry, James. <laughs> I think this one feels like it could be really really ugly. Um, I'm going to go hard here. I got Notre Dame keeping it close. Clemson winning 17-14. 17-14. I think it's going to be ugly. On Saturday, they're going to be singing in Piscataway. Woke up this morning, got yourself some fun. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are 26-point home dogs against number 5 Michigan. Yes, it's a 7-30 kick for some reason, Bo. Chops, now you get that reference. Yeah, now I do. You're into the Sopranos. Now you got it. You nailed it. Just wait till next year when I you can do the, all the Richie uh, the Jackie April Jr. jokes. All of that stuff's going <laughs> to land for you now, buddy. Um, yeah, Michigan big. I, I think they send a message. Who coaches Rutgers? Jake Greg Schiano. Um, Jim Harbaugh knows he has a connection here. Any opportunity he has, I think they run it, run it, run it some more. Uh, I like Michigan winning big, thirty-eight to seven. I think the number's too big in a game where you're right. Michigan is going to run it. The clock's going to run a lot there as well, and I just don't think they have enough time to get to it um so michigan's gonna win but 38 to 13 all right very good that's where you stand on that we'll take a look at a, a pretty quiet week honestly in the nfl coming up next shelly time in about 15 minutes we'll pick the buckeye game give you three things to a buckeye victory coming up at the end of the program bishop and friends right here on the fan you love sports we love sports you love the buckeyes we love the buckeyes you love your mom we love your mom the fan ohio sports destination the uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends. Pretty good weekend of college football 
less so on the NFL side of things, fellas. Uh, we did the scores yesterday, and it, as you're looking at this slate, and you say, like, what's the game of the week? Now, some of that's the fact that the Rams and the Bucks have both been disappointing, so that's that's a national game late. It sounds like Ryan Tannehill is not going to play for Tennessee. Tennessee's at Kansas City. Those are kind of the two in that that that's Sunday night football, right? Is Tennessee at Kansas City, and then the the mm-hmm. Rams and the Bucks is kind of the America's game of the week or whatever on Fox. Um, the Monday night football is Baltimore, New Orleans. Who's even left standing? Michael Thomas cannot stand. Rams Bucks is actually CBS. So America's game of the week is, is CBS uh, Seahawks Cardinals. That's what well, it says CBS, here on ESPN. No, okay, so then CBS would no America's game of the week is just CBS. So that it would be. I thought Fox did America's game of the week. They do, but it's basically the late night everybody gets it game. Okay, so which network gets the double header? So it they have the phrasing for it, but it's whichever one has the I double header. It. So it's a CBS double header week. So then that's their game. So that forever it was. It's been a couple of years now, but forever it was AFC. It used to be CBS. cleaner cut than this. It's and, not now. It's yeah. really jumbled. So LA. At, the Rams at Bucks is the national game. Seattle at Arizona on Fox would be a regional game that it's probably only shown in those two markets. Yeah. Everybody will get LA and the Bucks. Um, we talked about Cincinnati. They get Carolina at their place. They're seven point favorites. They're dealing with a lot on the back end from an injury standpoint. This is survive in advance mode for Cincinnati. That's all it is. They just need to get the win, get to the bye week, right? Cause they got Panthers this week, then bye week, then Steelers so they can get healthy a little bit. Keep their heads above water. Um, do not let this Carolina team hang around. Um, this is absolutely an act accordingly game for them to just get to five and four, get yourself a little bit of rest. Both the Browns and Steelers are off this week. So from a local interest, it's just can't lose if o'clock. you don't play, baby. <laughs> Look at this early slate. Uh, you've got Chargers at Falcons, Miami at Chicago, Carolina at Cincinnati, Green Bay at Detroit. Indy and New England, the Bills and Jets, the Vikings and Washington, Vegas and Jacksonville. That's the entire early slate on Sunday. There's, There's only two four one of those. games. <laughs> right. There's not one of those games in the early window that if it's not your team, your rooting interest, that you're saying, oh, I got to see that. Not one. The only close to good on good is maybe Buffalo, New York, and that's one of the biggest spreads of the week for a road team. Is this a red zone weekend? Yes. Just leave that channel on. Like, yeah. yeah. If you Or... or if the weather holds out and Sunday's decent, it's probably get outside weekend. If you want to take an NFL bye, you could probably do it this weekend. Yeah, it's it's not great from that standpoint. Like I don't even know if I if I do get two games, I don't even know which one I would want to be the second screen. <laughs> oh, you know it's at three o'clock on Sunday. Cavs Lakers. It's at three. Mm-hmm. That's noon local time out in L.A. Yep. Weird. The Bally Total Fitness Sports game. Why in the blue hell would the Lakers play at noon on a Sunday? It's questions that are good. Don't have the answer for in you. In their own market. I don't. I, that would seems to make no sense to me. Especially they would do that. They're not going up against the Chargers uh, or a Rams I, game. I'll amend it. I'll amend it. It's 3.30. 3.30 local? In Los Angeles. But yeah, 3.30 in But 3.30 Eastern. Yeah, still so, noon. No, so, still, still, it's still noon 12.30. Yes. <laughs> Which is it? I'm being facetious. It's, cr- it's a 12:30 Los Angeles tip. <laughs> okay, 12:30. So it makes no sense that you would do that. In There's the, no Chargers or Rams game that you're going up against. They're both on the road. It's still though. Nobody in LA cares about it from that perspective. I still don't know why you'd go up against the NFL all day. Like, and it feels like the Lakers always play at night. Like that's the deal. 
the lights are down and you play at light, like play a matinee on a Sunday when it's not a national game, like in the, in February when you have like, you know, the ESPN or ABC afternoon games. That's wild. Absolutely they, wild. I was wondering if they could have flexed this if the Lakers were good. <laughs> I don't know. Is it on ESPN? No, or I, don't is it just any, a local, I don't think there's any national carrier. It's just a local game. Yeah. I heard Bill Simmons gave the uh, the Cavs a lot of love on, oh, his, no! uh, on his podcast. Yeah, so they could, hate they when he does that. The finals, so he did it last he year. And they it. all got injured. I knew he would do it though because they played this beat the Celtics twice in a week. So you knew that that was coming. That there was you were going to get the the kiss of death from Simmons. One of his future on him. Simmons. Yeah, he's got it. It's it's a brutal weekend. Cincinnati survive in advance. I'm curious to see what Justin Fields does with Chase Claypool and finally having like a big target that he can throw to down the field. There's a little bit of bit to pay attention to on that side of things. Did you guys see Howie Roseman, by the way, yesterday? Did you see that clip? I, I saw him. What, what do you I, know the point of reference on it? No, that I didn't understand right. so what it was fan, saying. Yeah. There's a fan in the stands that said, you're forgiven Howie. That's what the, 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 uh, sign said. So Howie Roseman sees it, the general manager of Philly last night before their win against Houston, which they didn't cover. Bad job out of them. Um, he comes over and goes, you mean I'm forgiven for giving you your blank in Super Bowl? Blank off. <laughs> Seems you mighty petty. You're forget. I just, you, you want, I got you a Super Bowl, man. What's he forgiven for? I have no idea where right. that. What did he do wrong? What, they were exactly. bad for two years and he rebuilt yeah. it right away? Right away. Like, <laughs> What, what, what's your complaint? What's for brotherly love? Things didn't work out, so they moved off the quarterback. They fired the coach, and they're good again. Right. Like, he's doing his job really well. In the second round, they built an offense around him. They're incredibly deep on both <laughs> lines of scrimmage. He's got incredible weapons to throw to. Like, all of these things are true, and some guy's going, you're forgive- forgiven for what? I was I thought it was hilarious. He didn't bring said. James Harden to Philadelphia. No, it's not his for that. fault. <laughs> It's not his fault. I, I just oh. thought it was funny that he clapped back at him. Real quick, speaking of Philly, did you see the – I'm sure it's not an MLS reporter. I don't know. But a guy talking to uh, one of the MLS players before the, the MLS Cup this weekend, Philly's in it. And he was asking him about, hey, uh, how do you feel about, you know, the Eagles are good, the Phillies are in the World Series. How does it feel playing in Philadelphia? And the guy was really confused. He's like, well, I don't uh, – and then he's like, I don't play for Philadelphia. He plays for LAFC. <laughs> and you know, Bad luck. Oh, you hate And that. he had a name placard with the LAFC logo on it, too. Like, mm, mm. not good. That's not great. Not a great look. Not at all. Um, all right. Going to be a great. We've never done this before. We are going to do an interview with a human being in Finland. Shelly time from Finland. Coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. One, two, three. The Daily Coach Ryan Day Show is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. This is The Daily Show with Coach Ryan Day brought to you by Safe Flat Auto Glass. You've talked about the move Chip Tranum has made from linebacker to running back. Obviously, that speaks to his incredible skill set, but also the willingness to do what's best for the team has to be a big part of that, too. Yeah, he's very unselfish. Um... When Chip came out of high school, um, you know he wanted to play running back, and um, we said he could start at running back, but he probably was going to play some linebacker. So we decided to go to Arizona State, and we said, "Well, if you ever decide to change your mind, we're here." Uh, he decided to change his mind, come back, play linebacker, and now he's back at running back. So um, you know, life works in funny ways, but um, his attitude has been excellent. Uh, he just wants to do what's best for the team, and I think that unselfishness is really paying off for him. Okay, we'll have another comment in just a moment. Check your watch jackets, fans. 
It's Shelly time. Oh, we're making a little bit of history today on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. For the first time ever, this show goes to Finland. That's right. A little bit of Shelly time in Finland. Our Finnish correspondent joining us now. Give me a lay of the land, buddy. What's Finland like? <laughs> oh, it's great to hear your voice. Same. Um, yeah, fin- Finland is uh, it's really a neat place. And, you know, we got to um, we got to Helsinki on Monday and just a beautiful old city on the Baltic Sea. Um, we, had, we, we had a perfect sunny day. So we got to see like, you know, kind of what the city was about. Interesting here, the sun doesn't get up past like, you know, like. 8.30 in the morning, that sun mm-hmm. is kind of just kind of takes a peak. It's, you know, just a couple hours in. It doesn't get higher than that all day. Whoa. So it stays rather like, yeah, it's kind of different. But it's, uh, no, it's great. The people are awesome. The food is spectacular. They love their karaoke bars. Uh, so we enjoyed that for the first four days. And then we uh, we came up to Tampere. It's an hour and 30-minute uh, tra- uh, train ride. And... You know, I didn't really, once we got here, I was kind of keeping it close to the hotel, which is attached to the arena that the game's at tonight. But today I went for a walk downtown, and this is the same thing. It's just uh, you turn a corner and there's uh, restaurants and uh, real vibrant. You know, everyone's riding their bikes. It's uh, old churches, river going right through it. So we're between two lakes connected by a river and the city of Tampere um, sits in it. And uh, it, it seems like... Uh, I've seen some interesting things out, out on the streets, but uh, it's really impressive. Clean and uh, clean and fun. Give me a, is there, what's the closest North American doppelganger for Finland? Like, is there any place here that feels sort of similar? I'd say Pittsburgh. Interesting. You know, you got the rivers. Yeah. yeah. It's got some history. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff in the city, and yeah, I think you have to seek it out. That's kind of what this is like. It's, give me, uh, give and me I would a, compare. I don't ahead. know what Helsinki's like. I'd say Helsinki's like. I, I can't really. I thought Helsinki was like kind of where I grew up, like Halifax, so on the ocean, on a hill, kind of a one of those cities. But no, very impressed. Uh, I would come back actually. All right, give me a um, give me a cuisine highlight. Uh, give me a Finnish cuisine highlight from the week. Well, they talk about they talk about this salmon soup, right? Oof, Which is God just um, and, and the, my my presentation was they had these little baked or boiled potatoes in the bottom of a, of my dish, and a piece a huge chunk of salmon. Then they just poured this creamy hot creamy sauce on it, and I was like, wow! I mean, it, it was spectacular, and it's a, it's it's a delicacy here, I guess, or so it's common. Anyways. It was so good I had two in one sitting and kind of ruined my night later. But you know what I mean? It was worth it. It was was one of those moments where it was one of those moments where, hey, it was just like I was in the right place doing the right thing. So I did it twice. How much English is spoken over there? Is it would it be easy for if a fan wanted to do this and and take on this trip and because I think this would be pretty cool if you were a Jackets fan, if you and I'm sure there's oh. some that you've seen like to go over spend the week in Finland and go to some games see your favorite oh, yeah. team and play over there. How accessible is it from from that standpoint? Oh, it, it's uh, everyone speaks English. Wow, you know, and, and some of them, some people would rather stay with Finnish before they, you know, like. 
I got on the wrong seat on the on the train ride up here because I had to come up early to do an interview. So I got on the train to Tampere and from Helsinki, and I sat in the wrong seat because I was I was just kind of like, oh, this seat's open. I'm just going to sit here. There's nobody on the train. So the train stops, and there's 50 empty seats. But wouldn't you know it, the guy that gets on, I'm in his I'm in his seat. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be this is going to be one of these days. So I'm like, uh, what'd you say? And he kept saying it in Finnish over and over and over. And I was like, well, I, I don't know where my seat is. And then he switched to English to me. He's like, oh, you're downstairs in seat number 91. I said, well, thank you. That would have been a lot quicker. <laughs> I didn't say it, but <laughs> they speak English, and they're very, very nice people. And, and um, you know, the kids learn it in school. Uh, when I played here, actually, on the bus, we used to watch movies. I think I told you this. And there was yeah. Finnish uh, subtitles on English uh, uh, okay. movies. So it was. Yeah, you feel very comfortable here in that regard. That's absolutely awesome. How big of a deal is Patrick Laine in Finland? Yeah, he's 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 the he's the deal. He's yeah. this is where he grew up, and ever since we got to, I mean, it's like you know the icons in in the U.S. that have you know one name, one mm-hmm. name stars yep. type. You know, he's a one name star. He's Patrick. I mean, he's Patrick Line, and and everywhere they talk about him, they smile about him. Kids are excited to see him. Um, there was a kid yesterday waiting for autographs, and he was asking every player that went by for a stick, just kind of in between the hotel and, and the arena they're connected. He didn't want autographs. He wanted sticks, and he wanted to know where Patrick Line was going to be, and did he drive, and was he walking to the hotel, and where <laughs> he was right now. And I hung out with this kid for a bit, but Patrick didn't come by. But it, it's like, yeah, he's – He's bigger than he's the biggest. It's amazing to see how how much an impact he has. Because at 15, he started being talked about as a superstar, yeah. and they've watched him closely ever since. He did come over in 18 with the Jets and play in Finland, but that was in Helsinki. So this is the first time he gets to play in his hometown at Tampere, and um, yeah, he needs a bodyguard. That's all, that's great. That's really, really cool. I can't imagine how cool this is for him. Um, we've, we've had so much fun talking about all of this, and part of that's because I was very, very interested. Part of it's by design because the last time we saw this team play, it was, wasn't good, it's, and it hasn't been good for a minute, Jode. Yeah. Did, did this week in Finland, obviously the hope is is that it's almost like a mini camp and you can kind of reset this thing. Is, have you seen evidence of that this week? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, what I've seen is um, – some people who are really upset with what's going on. You know, we left last Sunday after the Jersey game and it was, you know, you, you hope you go to, into these events feeling good and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they have a good time. There's stuff to enjoy, but there's still that overhanging. Like, you know, we got to get our, we got to get our, our stuff together here and we'll see tonight. Um, you know, I do know that they've done some good stuff and it is important for people to get together who, who work in a team setting. I mean, you've got to get together away from the rink, and there's no better way to do it than on the road for teams, and sometimes you squeeze it in. Well, they didn't have to squeeze anything in. So you kind of sense that, you know, the time spent together, the conversations about what's happening, uh, a couple practices they've had, uh, it was in, with one one purpose, and that was to get this together and not see what we saw the past two games. And um, tonight is just going to be simply worried about effort and, and energy and compete which things we haven't had to talk about with the Blue Jackets for uh, some time. We've known that you, the team that leaves here has gotten a bite taken out of them at least. And maybe they get the two points, but boy, I tell you, it was a long night for the opposition, and we haven't seen that. So, um, you know, there's, I think every person has that where they, 
they can put in themselves in the spots to drive and work and compete, and, you know, and, and give it your kind of that fight. Uh, and I, I think this team does too, but we'll see tonight. I mean, it was so bad last week, and we're kind of wondering what happened there. So yeah. I'm optimistic, but I don't want to get ahead of myself because they've only practiced a couple times a pregame skate. And, uh, you know, I think this trip will pay off for them somewhere, but I, I don't know if it's going to pay off right away here. All right, buddy, I'll get you out of here on this. Whose idea was it? You've seen the image floating around, I assume, Rimmer posted of you and him just looking like blue steel, just looking like the coolest customers ever. <laughs> I mean, whose idea is that? How does that image come about? It's taken the Internet by storm. So we, we have um, – so usually we open our show in the booth live. But mm-hmm. tonight, with everything going on, this, there's going to be nine broadcasts of this show international, uh, Colorado radio, everyone. There, there's nine broadcasts all over the world of this, this show tonight. So we couldn't do our open live, so we had to do a taped open. So we taped our open outside today. And as we're sitting there freezing, they're trying to get the angle of our, of our, um, of our shot with an iPhone and kind of get the right image of where we're standing. So we just sit, stand there. And that was just a natural pose. So, I mean, that's what we do. That's what we look like mostly when we just hang out together, me and Rimmer. Just See how much confidence he had? Oh, my God. Great. <laughs> Oozing confidence. Are you kidding me? It was like The guy was like pure sex panther. It was unbelievable. We were like, let's get this show on the road, fellas. Yeah, I loved it. Hey, buddy, great catching up with you. Excited to have you back. Uh, enjoy the last couple of days, and we'll, we'll talk to you when you get back. All right. See you both. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate right. it. A little bit of Shelly time for you here on a Football Friday. Give you three things to a Buckeye victory uh, and your score predictions coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We aim to punch you in the face with as many games as we can. You're home of the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, Crew, and Browns. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Bo knows many people. He talks to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, Reese, what do you have in the poll today? Daily fan poll is sponsored by Dick Masheter Ford. What will be the outcome of Ohio State's game at Northwestern? Right now, 2% uh-huh. of respondents say the Wildcats will win. <laughs> 52% say Buckeyes by 20 to 38, so that is not entering Cover City. 40% say 39 or more. Now so in get, Cover City. Now in Cover City. And then 45 say they're going to win by 1 to 19. All right, there you go. All right, three things for a Buckeye victory. Hit it, boys. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. Look, uh, it's 38 and a half or 38, whatever it is. Like, this is going to be a beatdown. So, I guess I'll start here. Do you. Be who you are. Do not let the elements or the wind stop you. If, if you want to throw the ball, then damn it, you've got a pro quarterback, you've got pro receivers, go throw the ball and and have him drive the ball in the in the wind. Um, I, I think it's really important that Ohio State does that. My hunch is that they will. I have absolutely no trepidation going into this, and I think this is going to be a beatdown in every, every single possible way. But I would like to see Ohio State just be who they are and expect that we will. I think you'll see C.J. throw it plenty. Um, I think they'll ignore the elements and play through it. And honestly, it's going to be a sales pitch because if you're going to play in the league, you're going to have to play in elements like this. So we'll, I'm curious about that. What does it look like for CJ throwing in inclement weather? It's a Southern California kid. What's that look like? That'll be something I'll be looking forward to on Saturday. 
agree with you on that, but I also think they're going to be able to get their yards in other places as well. And I've been, you know, two straight weeks of rushing attacks that have been under 100 yards. Well, this Northwestern run defense isn't very good. No. Run the ball for 250 yards. You're going to have a lot of handoffs, I think, in the second half, especially that you can add to that total. So that, that's what I'm looking for, because if you're going to be able to run the ball effectively ever, it has to at least be in this one. Otherwise, then, then I have questions about how they can run the ball. Um, so I want to see that at least on the ground, but that's going to be more of a first half thing, and then the yardage will probably get there as well in the second half as they're running the clock out. Yeah, I'll piggyback off that for my first thing. Swing the hammer. If the Hawkeyes can get 178 yards on the ground, then OSU should get more or be able to get more if, in fact, they want to, which means that if things get murky early, don't move away from the run game. Dive into the run game and just beat the hell out of Northwestern on the ground. Take their turf and use it against them. Yeah, number two for me, I'm going to flip it to the other side. JT Tuomolowau had uh, one of the greatest performances in Ohio State history last Saturday against Penn State. I had a lot of people ask me this week, well, is he as good as Chase Young? Is he as good as Abosa? We'll find out over the next month. Because I think it's big for him if he wants to be in that echelon. And that's what he was coming out of high school. Right? That was his hello world moment was last Saturday in Happy Valley. It's important that he stacks that. So I want to see it. Not, you don't need to go crazy. I don't need touchdowns and interceptions and all that. But I want him around the quarterback. I want him getting home. I want tackles for loss. I want, the, I want last week to be just the tip of the iceberg of what the guy's capable of. So I'll have my eye on that on Saturday. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball here, I want them to keep the the turnovers up. They've done a really good job of maximizing turnovers against Iowa and Penn State. So keep doing that. And specifically interceptions. If they if they want to drop back and pass against Ohio State, well, make them pay for it. Um, five takeaways for me. And you know what? I'll count turnovers on downs with that because it's in the name as well. I like it. My second thing, I am once again asking Ryan Day to allow Kyle McCord to run the full complement of Ohio State's offense if and when he enters the game. He's entering. (laughs) He's entering. I think we might see Devin Brown in this one. That's how it could get. Then I'll amend it. I am once again asking Ryan Day to allow Kyle McCord and Devin Brown to run the full (laughs) complement of Ohio State's offense if and when they enter tomorrow's game. Yeah. Look... This is going to be a struggle. I mean, I think the elements actually make it a little more interesting, uh, but this is a really overmatched opponent. So finally, for me, it is one of the one of the absolute bedrocks of which this show is built. It's act accordingly. Just do you. This is a game that no one's going to watch outside of people in this market, Buckeye fans around the country, Northwestern fans, whoever they are, they're not watching this thing. So this is something where when we watch the other games throughout the day, make it look impressive. I think they will. This has to be a bottom line win for the Buckeyes, and those of you who listen regularly know what that means. And even with the weather, don't fall for it. Don't don't go in with your friend who's like, we'll take a shot every time they score. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Not in this one. That would be a recipe for disaster for you. But <laughs> on those kind of points, get in, get the points, get the yards, get out of there. To, you know, Take your victory. Get your starters out of there. I think this is going to be a game that's going to be well in hand by the third quarter, so kind of going off Reeser. Let those backups get in there and let them actually – play a football game because Northwestern while not very good they're going to be sound they're well coached so you're, you guys are going to get the right type of look by playing a real game in that one and my third thing play clean let's avoid mental errors let's avoid dumb penalties let's not sleepwalk into this game knowing that the athletic talent for OSU is far superior to Northwestern 
go in, dominate early, put a bunch of points up, and get the second teamers in minutes after the second half begins. And that will likely ensure a 45-3 to victory for Ohio State. For the second week in a row, I am in Cover City. Beep, beep. Good job, so, Good segue. All season long, I've been inviting Ryan Day and the Buckeyes to my penthouse in Cover City. I've not left. Some weeks they join me. Who's cleaning some, it? Some teams they don't. Oh, uh, we don't clean it. It's just dirty. Why would they want to go? That's why they didn't cover last well, week. Is that why? Well, hopefully they can make it this week. I'll have the shower open for them after they get all dirty out there. OSU 52 to 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys as well. It's just overmatched. I, I would hate for this to be something like, you know, 42 to nothing, and then they get a nonsense touchdown late, but I don't think that'll happen. I like the Buckeyes big in this one, 49 zip as well. Uh, enjoy your Buckeye football Saturday. We're back on Monday to break it all down. Rothman and Ice up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan.